All right, who's ready for a three-hour podcast? Oh, yeah. So, uh, follow-up. First off, congratulations for your little fucking wager win last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You absolute fucking bastard. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was a little bit worried that you wouldn't include it out of spite, <laughs> no. but uh, you did, so that's good. Unfortunately, you- I, I did it badly, though, uh, and I'll explain why. Even though halfway through the episode is when you started the wager, and then as the episode went on, as you counted up the me- amount of times, I said 100%. Uh, mm-hmm. that's when you sort of engaged in a second wager to see how many could go. And, uh, what happened was as I was editing, I'd already taken all, I'd already deleted the preamble to mm-hmm. what you were getting at, like, and, and why there was a break happening. So mm-hmm. I didn't have any segue to there being a break in the middle of the episode. By the time I realized it would have been good to keep that, <laughs> to, uh, keep in what you were saying. So it ended up all getting smushed at the end and had resolved itself just as it started at the very last second of the episode, making it impossible to enjoy from anyone that wasn't you or I. <laughs> uh, that's a shame, because I was wondering why you put it at the end. I was like, hmm, maybe he's trying to say face. Like, if the audience is no. like playing along, and they, they, they hear the worst of it, and me going, but he's going to say it at least twice, and I managed to get four. Yeah, you got and I'm four. going like, yeah, 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 like secretly. And then I'm just making fun of you by the end, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. You, like, maybe upon uh, replay, you could hear the shit-eating grin in my voice oh, yeah. saying it. I actually boosted one of them in the audio. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Where you went, yes. <laughs> but I didn't know what you were talking about. I didn't catch it in the moment. I know, that was by design. I was keeping them on the down. I was like, yes. So I was like, the audience is going to hear that, but Lee's not. Yeah, it's not for me being too precious or anything. I just literally fucked up the edit, and there was no way without incredible difficulty trying to get it all set up so that it made sense in context. So what I thought I'd do is I'd keep the semblance of it by the end, and then eager listeners could go back or... We could explain it this episode, and then somebody can go back and check it out there. Uh, and that would be the best we could do, because it was too late. <laughs> a shame, but also good, good work, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a little bit of follow-up, which is that uh, I suppose, like, you, you mentioned it in the in our in our clash of the egos at the end of the last episode. <laughs> uh, you used the word exhibitionism. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I've said something to the effect of, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah. And uh, it occurred to me, I never actually said what it was that it meant. Uh, Maybe it was because I was slightly embarrassed, but uh, for the sake of follow-up for posterity, exhibitionism refers to the fetish for exposing oneself in public. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I mean, (laughs) I I assume the root term still, still refers to like gallery making or I don't know. You know, like performance art and shit like that. I suppose performance art could be one way of describing it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's your follow-up? You didn't explain exhibitionism? Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> like, I just love the the, pic, the mental image of you like, cold up for a week like, I didn't do it. <laughs> I fucking I missed my chance. They have to know. 
I can't live with the possibility that someone could come away from that thinking that I didn't know what the word means. <laughs> Alright, so uh, I joked last week about, you know, how I just got off of a stressful, rarely default marathon and I wanted mm-hmm. to play something relaxing and then I immediately subjugated myself to System Shock 1, just self-flagellation non-stop. There's a there's no brakes on the the Lawrence train the brainworm train. Of course not. <laughs> so I actually made I actually uh, made a dedicated effort. You know what? You play this game. You've been singing on for so long. Have a bit of fun with it. It should be relaxing. It'll be fine. And uh, I seem to have went too far in the opposite direction because this game has went from it shot past relaxing and uh, landed squarely in the valley of boring. <laughs> And uh, this was a DS game called Hotel Dusk Room oh. 215. Oh, yeah. Like the, the detective game, right? Yes, the uh, the point-and-click DS detective game. Atmospheric, uh, pseudo moody, visual novel. boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that moody and atmospheric, to be honest. Uh, so I've, I've never played this at all. I just, I know it. Uh, I know what it looks like. And it did get a little reference in um, Smash Brothers, I believe, oh, really? as one of the little the uh, the not stickers, whatever they're called, spirits these days in, uh, mm-hmm. in Smash Ultimate. So I, I don't really know how this game works at all. So you hold on on it, you hold the DS on its side, like uh, like you were reading an ebook or something. Uh, that's an that's an old trope. That's mm-hmm. the uh, the doctor Doctor Kawashima brain brain training, training approach. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's nothing particularly strenuous about this game, so it's like so it's half visual novel, half point and click adventure. Mm. Uh, so the main point of comparison I'm going to make was is with the Ace Attorney games as a, a point of contrast. So with Ace Attorney, there's two main modes of gameplay. Mm-hmm. There's the more visual novely, I suppose, investigation phase where you go from location to location, examining areas for evidence talking to witnesses, getting testimony, and then uh, once that's starting to get a little bit dull, uh, it'll seek into the courtroom phase, which is the more exciting, you know, drama. Yeah. You present your evidence in the testimony, and you cross-reference it with the witnesses brought forth by the prosecution, and you trip them up in their lies, and you catch them off guard, and it plays the music, and you slam the desk a lot, and it's a great time. <laughs> or if you've got the old DS version, you can scream at it, objection. <laughs> That's right. You can hit the button and you can yell "objection" into the mic and feel like <laughs> like, a, like a total like a total goofball as you do it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can see your your point immediately that uh, Phoenix Wright is a little heavier than most visual novels because there is a a logic based deduction side of the story. Mm-hmm. Hotel Dusk is almost exclusively the investigation part. That's <laughs> it's the investigation part of Ace Attorney games stretched out across an entire game. No. <laughs> So the premise is this, you play as Kyle Hyde, uh, an ex-cop who's now working as a, as a, ostensibly has a door-to-door salesman, but he's secretly working as like a sort of, not quite a private investigator, more like a... Nosy bastard. Yeah, nosy bastard for hire, essentially. (laughs) Not not freelance, he works for like a company. And Uh, uh, this, this is kind of a problem with the game. Uh, the fact that he's not a cop or a lawyer or acting in any kind of official capacity, I'll say why this is a problem later on when I get to it. 
and he arrives at the hotel dusk. He's looking for an ex-partner of his who who, uh, who was crooked and whom he shot back in the day, which was what led to him <laughs> being fired from the force. Uh, and he's looking for clues to his whereabouts in the eponymous hotel dusk. And uh, Kyle I thought, Hyde, you said he sh- I thought you said he shot him, or was he shot by him? No, he shot his partner because his partner was bent. Okay, okay. But and he, uh, he didn't kill his partner then. He just well, him. he uh, he he got shot. He fell into the Hudson, and they never find the body. It's one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very so, dramatic. So uh, Kyle Hyde's approach, his methodology towards investigation uh, in this hotel, is to bumble around. <laughs> Is to wander around cracking wise and being like the disgruntled former cop that he is with like a drinking problem and like his loose, his like crummy jacket and like his tie loosened. And it's speaking to everyone in the hotel, asking them incredibly personal questions that for no reason they should ever answer, getting up all in their business, prying from them their deepest, darkest secrets, and hoping that eventually, if he does this to enough people, an overarching conspiracy will emerge from which he can derive what he wants. Wow, it's like the uh, the Miss Marple approach. Yeah, it is. So it's like, everyone in this hotel has got a secret, and the, some of the secrets tie together in such a way where I'll be able to deduce where my old partner is, because he stayed at this hotel one time. I think that's what the clues lead. <laughs> and uh, the, prob- the problem with this is, is because he... He's not acting any kind of official capacity, and he is maintaining that he is a door-to-door salesman. He's asking questions that, by all rights, would get him punched in the face. <laughs> like, no one is under any obligation to answer any of the things that he says, especially because he gets really, like, pushy about some of them. <laughs> you have to tell me. In fact, one of, one of the only ways to get a game over in this game, and this is quite funny, like, okay, so the owner of the hotel... Is like a sort of like Robert, old like aging middle aged Robert De Niro type called like Dunning. Mm. And one of the only ways to game over is to ask him about something or to present him with evidence, for lack of a better word, that you could only know about because you went into like staff only areas and pinched them. At which point <laughs> you'd be like, hey, what the fuck's going on here? Get out of my hotel, you thief! <laughs> Which is very cathartic, even if it does force you to reload a save, because it's like the only time that he'll ever see consequences for being just such a, like, aggressively nosy person. <laughs> Man, what a premise. <laughs> Especially because uh, uh, there's a one point where uh, you're stitched up for stealing things. Yeah, you're stitched up for stealing 20 grand, right? The 20 grand was planted in the cistern of your hotel room. Sure. And you're like, ooh, intrigue. And, uh... I'm pretty sure I got busted once, not because I had the 20 grand in my inventory, I had hidden it away, but the owner of the 20 grand demanded that Dunning search everyone's private inventories, for lack of a better word, Hmm. and Dunning searched my inventory, and he didn't discover the 20 grand, he had instead discovered all the tools that I pinched from the utility closet in order to solve a puzzle earlier in the game. (laughs) And then I got busted and chucked out and got a game over from that alone. Excellent. And it's always really funny because there's always this awkward pause where he's like, sorry about, th- sorry about this, gotta check your inventory. And then he looks in your inventory and then there's, there's like, this brief the moment of, yeah, it's like, like, you know, there's the dot, dot, dot and your hand is hovering, your stylus is hovering <laughs> over the continue button and you're like, I wish I could just live in this moment forever. <laughs> so it's weird to play one of those games where you have such a disconnect with your hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why am a shame. I do- allowed to do this? <laughs> Which is a shame because other than his taking of incredible liberties with the personal and privacy of everyone around him, 
Uh, I actually do quite like Kyle, even if he is a bit of a a worn out old hat stereotype of the you know disgruntled former cop. Mm. This yep. this guy, he, he's very much smacks to me of an American archetype that's being written by Japanese writers. Yeah, kind of in he, the same vein of uh, Francis York Morgan, just more inspired on the police side of things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like he's very hard boiled. Like <laughs> uh, like he he'll just be he'll be like rude in very amusing ways to people. Where like uh, it, like there's a maid character called Rosa who uh, is the cleaner and the cook for the hotel. It's like a small hotel, so there's not a lot of staff. And uh, every time she makes an appearance, he goes, oh, it's you. And like, he'll never, he'll never go, oh, hello, Rosa. Or, oh, hey, it's Rosa. You go, oh, it's you. Because she's always pestering, <laughs> she, he's, she's always pestering him to do shit, where it's like, hey, can you go get an autograph from this famous offer that's staying downstairs? Or, hey, can you like, uh, look after this girl while I go get stuff from the staff only area? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like the more you describe this game, the less of it I understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically, it's on rails to like a disgusting extent. Mm. Like, it's like the world's slowest roller coaster. So, uh, you know, you'll leave your room. And you'll go down the hall intending to speak to somebody who you're pretty sure is in, like, the lounge area. And, like, it feels like every time I leave my room and try to go somewhere, I'll be interrupted by a cutscene of somebody coming out of their hotel room to go, Oh, hey, it's you. And then, like, a sort of prolonged conversation will happen. Then I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you have new gameplay elements that you can actually, you know, do you have conversational choices? Do you... Occasionally, you will be presented with uh, conversational choices. Some of them, if you pick wrong, you'll get a game over because the person, usually Dunning, will say, get the fuck out of my hotel. Mm, yeah. All right, yeah, that makes some and, sense. Uh, and sometimes they'll be like, oh, I've got this person on the ropes. They're about to divulge a secret. And then you'll make a misstep and they'll be like, no, nah, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. I was go- I was going to tell you, even though I shouldn't. But I'm not, but uh, no, I'm not going to. I've done the sensible thing. And then, and then, what does does the game sort of game over and bring you back to the main screen, or uh, basically it goes, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You fucked up. Try again. All right. So the actual gameplay, aside from you know tapping through conversations, is that <laughs> uh, you've got in the left hand side. Well, it's I've got left hand mode on because I'm a lefty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have you, you have the map and you use the stylus to move around the map and this took some getting used to because on the right hand side is a first person view of Kyle going through like the DS hotel like 3D environments mm-hmm. and on the left is the map where you put the stylus down in order to move him around and looking back and forth between the two is kind of disorientating to such an extent where I probably won't like even look at the first person view because there's no information there that's of use. You'll just be like, all right, so there's a blue person here. I guess that means there's a witness. I'll go talk to them. Yeah, and then follow it up on the map and then occasionally look to the other camera just to see, okay, I made it to that thing I said I would do. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the extent of the gameplay gameplay is going from place to place, uh, inspecting things in the environment to look for evidence. Mm. And then occasionally you'll be asked to do a puzzle and it's always a very, very basic puzzle. <laughs> Something along the lines of, Oh, uh, tap this paperclip in order to unwind it to make a lockpick. <laughs> well, that's very basic. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking maybe, you know, like, you ever see those sort of hidden object games that they have? You know, like, they're kind of Skinner boxes at this point, but there's like a hundred of them on Steam or... or yeah, on... I know the ones you mean. The missus is a big fan, I understand. Yeah, you know, they kind of break up the uh, the finding segments uh, where you trail yourself from room to room to slot a thing into a... Fa- you know, slot a dog into a dog-shaped door, as I recall. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. The, um... 
you know, they'll have occasionally you'll you'll slot that dog in, and then it opens up a puzzle, and it's like a sliding block puzzle, and you just solve the sliding block puzzle. It has basically yeah. nothing to do with what you were doing beforehand. It's just a random, arbitrary, like traditional puzzle on top of a normal uh, finding game. So they do manage to squeeze in a couple of actual puzzle puzzles in a, in a somewhat ham-fisted way. Mm. Not in a Resident Evil sense, just like you'll find a puzzle in the corner of a room written on the back of a matchbox and you can solve it if you like. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because uh, the puzzles that they provided so far of that nature are ones that I already remember doing in every Professor Layton game that I've played. Of course. I love the idea of the concept of a game where you, you walk around uh, and you've got like this like serious mission, but occasionally you'll find like a like a McDonald's map tray sheet mm-hmm. and then you have the option to just fill it in and then pat yourself on the back when you do it and that's it. That's all you get out of it. <laughs> that was just a fun image that came to me while you were uh, describing that. <laughs> so uh, I said earlier how this game is disgustingly on rails. So... The puzzles in this game aren't difficult, and uh, to such an extent where you'll often have figured out the solution to a puzzle before the game allows you to solve it. Very frustrating. Like I mentioned earlier about how you'll unfold a paperclip in order to make an impromptu lockpick. Mm-hmm. So uh, you enter your hotel room, right? You've got your briefcase in the corner. You do, you know, bef- you, you search the room looking for all the, the various flags, the trip in order to progress the story and to get all the available items in your inventory before you progress, right? Mm. So uh, I see the file that has a couple, not even a file, it's a couple of sheets of paper with a paper clip, and the paper clip is selectable. So I go, ooh, hey, this is a private eye game sent into the 70s. There's a paper clip here. What are the odds I'm going to need to pick a lock with this paper clip? So I click on it, and Kyle goes, I don't need to pick this up right now. I'm like, oh. <laughs> are you serious? You can't even just yeah. hold on to it? <laughs> uh-huh. And then uh, literally a minute after this happens, I go to open my briefcase and the key breaks off inside of it. And he goes, damn, what am I going to do? So guess what? <laughs> I go to the paperclip, I select it, and he goes, yeah, I'm going to use this. now." I'm like, it's one of these games, huh? It's going to be like this. You going to do me dirty like this game? That means that this game is now in the very unfortunate position of being incredibly easy puzzle-wise. <laughs> but you still might need a guide for it because you just want to know where all the flags are so you can trip the flag required to progress the story so you then get on with what it is you were uh, going to do. A classic point-and-click pitfall. I, w- I was just looking at quick reviews there to see, like, because um, in my head this game had reviewed quite well, but I'm obviously uh, confusing it with... Nine hours, nine persons, nine doors, a.k.a. the first zero escape game. Oh, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of escape the room games. Well, yeah, but I mean, there was a well-received one on the DS. Which, to be clear, was called Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. That one was really well reviewed. This one is, uh, is, is it's, very it's, it's middling. Been <laughs> yeah, it's been modestly well reviewed. So uh, I suppose, uh, do you remember when we discussed, I'm not sure if it was on the podcast, how you can you can tell that a game is a Mega Drive game or a Genesis game, if you prefer, based purely upon the soundtrack because it has a very distinctive sound chip you know that yeah. dirty genesis bass yeah that I was think, no, that I, was 100 on the show <laughs> uh-huh uh okay that's one down for the tally for this episode uh, Damn we, can, <laughs> we can uh i think but i think at this point i've basically acquired the same knack for identifying ds games based on their soundtrack as well because ds games have that very limited sound chip as well 
Mm. Like, uh, you've played 42 all-time classics, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. The soundtrack to that game is very, like, it's almost, like, distinctively DS-y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, uh, it, it, the sound is kind of sparse, like uh, mm. like an electric keyboard being played a room away. This game is much of the same to such an extent where I heard some of the tracks and I was like, oh, this is a fucking DS game, my <laughs> God. <laughs> So have you uh, but, uh, have you have you gotten anywhere near to finishing Hotel Dusk, or are you planning to finish it? So there's ten chapters in this game. I'm on chapter eight. It's very likely I will have finished it uh, today or tomorrow. So and I will have started what I've got planned for next week as well, which I'm very much looking forward to. It's uh, it's a surprise. It's System Shock Two. It's System Shock Two. <laughs> uh, you've gotten your uh, relaxation quota done, filled, and then some. It's finally time well, to I mean, get back to work. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I find this game kind of dull, to be honest. Yeah. So I'll actually find System Shock 2, you know, the horror game, like, actually a lot more relaxing than this one, I think. Definitely, definitely. Especially because now that I've played the first one, I can go, oh, they fixed this, that's a relief. Now I can actually do this. <laughs> oh, so many quality of life improvements, so I can appreciate the distinction. <laughs> that seems, you know, yeah, that's a good that's a good argument for the brainworms. So anyway, that's my week. That's Hotel Dusk. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into three separate topics, all of which hopefully I'll blast through. Uh, but it it being our three hour podcast week, yeah. uh, it's <laughs> maybe not. Uh, so I promised two weeks ago slash one week ago that we're gonna do anime cubby hole, the latest of the cubby holes. Uh, mm-hmm. So this this week we're finally doing it. An- anime cubby hole number one. We're doing it first so that it's it's too late. <laughs> You're committed now. Yeah. No backing if, out. If we if we sprawl out into something else, it's just all staying in this time because anime cubbyhole mm-hmm. has to stay. <laughs> Great. Like the, the 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 more weeks that get away from having written these thoughts out, the less tangible they seem to me. <laughs> the, right. the less uh, like I'm just, I'm now just reading the words of a person long gone. <laughs> uh-huh. Is it even me? <laughs> I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think Cowboy Bebop was any good at all. Fuck this guy. So I watched Cowboy Bebop. Oh, very good. And how did you find it? I found did it. Did you enjoy one of the greatest animes of all time? <laughs> That's right, I did. I mean, yeah, obviously it's fucking great. Every, everybody knows that. You know, sometimes it's not really worth fighting the cause. Uh, so I, I've really, all I've done is sort of list a bunch of stray thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was that I did find it weird. Or is it weird? Is it weird that I like episodic adventure format more in the act of writing them than I do in the act of viewing them because I I think I don't I don't like starting whole new adventures week by week uh, because my brain is bad and this has been a problem before with uh, in particular most uh, most poignantly uh, I I struggled to enjoy as much as the world seemed to uh, the third part of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure uh, Mm -hmm. for its Stop, start, villain a week episode structure. Mm-hmm. You don't like standalone episodes. You don't like villain of the week, yeah. monster of the week stuff. I, yeah, no, I, I do. I struggle with it. Um, I didn't struggle with it as a kid, but I guess I, I'm starting to now. Uh, I, I don't know. It seems a strange thing to struggle with. Most people would struggle with the uh, ongoing storyline stuff because they need to keep track of an ongoing narrative. Yeah, well, the standalone I, stuff should be easier on paper anyway. Yeah, you see, in my in my perspective, I it's like. 
having to work up the energy to start a story from the beginning and the beginning of the story for me is the hardest part you know so Hmm. each episode it has a start middle and end whereas a serial thing once i get past the start i can just you know hold on and see where it goes and it each episode ends with something to pull you into the next one so you you're always being dragged into it uh, whereas episodic ones, they, they're they so self-contained that you end up... And this is why, I, like, for example, with Back to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, why the fourth and fifth series parts uh, I didn't have nearly as much of a problem with because the fourth one is one long interconnected story broken into little tiny stories and sort of side stories based around a long lingering plot. And the fifth one, it's... It's kind of the exact same thing as the third one, but mm-hmm. the I guess the, the the mission statement and the the variety of what was going on uh, in their goal was um, a little more distinct each episode. They don't spend any time in one location. Like at the end of one uh, encounter, one villain of the week, which takes about two episodes to finish. They've finished going to the place that they were trying to go to the episode before. Uh, that's all a long side tangent to say that I, I, I struggled a little bit with Cowboy Bebop. Uh, just because its episodic nature is really episodic. Uh, mm-hmm. To the point where, uh, it, it for at least the first half of the show, it, it's... There's basically no serial elements to it whatsoever. It's like, it just feels like the, the random adventures of these space cowboys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that like hard to get into because I was like, I, yeah, I mean, they're really cool concepts, but am I actually going to see, like, are, are, are these characters going to really step into their own at any point? Do, do you mean that in the sense that uh, you find it hard to get invested in standalone episodes? Yeah, it, like it would take me a while to engage with what the episode was starting to, or was what the concept of the episode was right okay I, I have to say i'm a little bit surprised to hear that i would think that uh standalone self-contained episodes would be more your bag because it suits your your approach of hopping from thing to thing and coming back <laughs> at later dates that sort of thing i don't even mean that in like a no, condescending no I, of course not no I, it literally does make sense on paper but apparently it's easier just 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 jump into one thing and stay there as long as it will have me, as long as it keeps dragging me from one episode to the other than it is to stop, start each episode in a whole new concept uh, with with a whole new lore. And maybe it's particularly difficult for Cowboy Bebop because its writing style is so uh, open and sparse. You know, it doesn't, it's Mm -hmm. not very forthcoming on, on details as to what they're doing at the start of each episode. It's like, we're already here. We're already in the middle of something. And, and then you piece it together from there, which I like, you know, like to be clear, this is really good writing. I just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just struggle to enjoy it. It takes me a while to get into it. I, I, at the end of the day, I do think Cowboy Bebop does it best. It just, it takes a while for me to get into it and i do think for general audiences it probably does take a while to feel like it's getting going you know like it feels mm-hmm. like what's it really getting at or getting to it, it explores this world to a point but it does feel like you have to be 12 episodes in to realize oh there is something going on <laughs> you know <laughs> which maybe mm-hmm. doesn't matter to a lot of people but i guess i i generally like stories that connect or end up building on the characters that they set up at some point and I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be that kind of show until about 12 episodes in uh, when I'm like oh, okay these characters are developing oh right you know there was serial elements they were just very subtle <laughs> mm-hmm. just well written oh, 
It was a bit too static for your taste. Yeah. Well, no. I, again, I still really, really enjoyed it. It just I do think there's uh, some forebo- foreboding elements to it that I think can trip people up getting into it. Or at least mm-hmm. that was my experience. Maybe nobody has any issues with this and I'm just rattling on about something that nobody cares about. But that's how my brain works. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, when you say you finished it, does that mean the TV show and the movie? No, I didn't. I didn't the watch other? the fucking movie. I'd like the movie's a prequel. You know, the story's over. <laughs> I'm not dragging myself back. It's not even like a oh, prequel prequel. It's like between episodes story. And, uh, you know, like it's like episode 23.5 is the film when there's 26 episodes. Mm-hmm. So um, it's something like that. I don't know the specific number. Uh, and I'm sure it's really good. But I like the emotional investment and the, the sort of ride once you get to the end of Cowboy Bebop is a little too much for me to think. All right. What I need to do is cling desperately to every fragment of the story that's out there. Mm. I'm not that kind I, of I person. Guess, I guess for people at the time, they finished the show. You know, as it was happening, and then there was a long gap. Yeah. And then the movie came out, and then they watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it was just dipping your toe back into that world with these characters, as opposed to the contemporary audience who had watched them all on the trot. Yeah. Which is probably a different experience. To be fair, I I definitely prefer the idea that the movie isn't like a contingent, you know, it's not a a necessary sequel to the show. Mm -hmm. I think the show ends perfectly. I think it starts perfectly. I think it doesn't need to go any further back than where the show starts. You know, like, it's, if they were going to do any continuation, another episode of Cowboy Bebop that's slightly longer is a good way to do it. I just don't know if I can muster the will to something that seems so ancillary to what was, in my head, like a perfect package. You know, mm-hmm. like, okay, yes, they wanted to go back and they wanted to tell one more thing and all, but I feel like the character arcs were already told and, I, you know, there's more of a chance of them muddying the water and now we're ruining it <laughs> than there is for them to like, yes, one last write off goodbye to these great characters. You know, I, I, I maybe, maybe I'm playing it overly safe. I, I'm yeah, sure well, a lot I of mean, people consen- do like the film. Consensus on the movie is that it is great as far as I understand. Okay. Well, maybe, it's yeah. of a quality comparable to the series. This isn't me making a hard sell. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen the film, so I can't really say for myself. But that seems to be my understanding of the situation. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Maybe I'll get around to it. Maybe I'll give it the uh, the same amount of years that the the world gave it, and see if like the the mm-hmm. desperation sets in to see it. just a little touch more of Cowboy Bebop, where it's all still fresh. I'm like, okay, I, I like I like you know sitting in the the afterglow of such things. <laughs> mm. Um. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, it's it's really good. I liked everybody on the team, uh, which is rare. It's definitely, like, shows where there are characters in this same setup that you end up not liking or choosing favorites or so on. But, no, I I genuinely liked everybody pretty evenly, even Edu. It's all right, Lee. You, you can say Ed. It's fine. People won't mind. Uh, it, was just, it was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, did, did you watch the dub or the sub here? I watched the sub. Mm, really? Most people would opt for the dub. I feel like this is the one series in particular where most people would actually be inclined to think that the dub is the better version. Yeah, it's the whole thing is that the, the dub was at a time for a lot of American viewers, like the first, one of the, the, the sort of tsunami block of edgy new cool things coming through when anime was just getting mm. big. To have a dub that proficient on something that mature obviously left a, a lasting impact, but... 
I think I tried a little bit of it, and I wasn't really gelling with the voices I had in my head. Or I really... Oh, you weren't gelling with Steve Blum and his, <laughs> like, career-defining role? No, I think he was fine. I just... It, I, I had already grown attached to the voices in Japanese. Uh, I didn't really feel like there was a, a necessity to, to overthink it and uh, and try and give the American version a go. You know, sometimes I jump back and forth. Like, for, like, I originally, when I was a teenager and watched Death Note, sometimes whatever platform I was watching it on, uh, extra legally, as you might say, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, they didn't have the... <laughs> they didn't have either or all the episodes oh, in one but they language had a mishmash option. of both oh i hate that i hate it uh death note was very lucky in that the consistency of of quality for the acting was really good across both so i got quite lucky in that regard uh and so i didn't i ended up not minding i felt kind of pleased that i had seen it in both uh, matters I had that problem with helsing oh yeah i was trying to watch Hel- helsing and i opted for the the sub but there was one episode that was a dub and I spent so long trying, trying to, to find, find a, subversion. <laughs> a source of a subversion, but they all must have been, had the same source, I take it. Yeah. Because uh, all I could find was the dub version. And you know what? Hey, Crispin Freeman's got a nice voice. He's a sexy dude. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's not what I was looking for. Still, I, 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 I gripped my teeth and I bared it. Helsing's good, by the way. Okay. Mentally noted. Um yeah, I, I I really like the Japanese cast. I, I I wouldn't say like something would be lost doing it in American. It's just like I picked my poison early on and I stuck with it. I was well aware going into it that the American version was a big deal to people. But as much as I can possibly, I try to stick to subs. Mm. I I will generally do the same. You know what? Whenever I watch a new anime for the first time, I'll go in. I'll I'll just go to the subreddit and get the consensus dub or sub. It's almost always sub, and sub will be the one that I default to when I am uncertain, and that seems to be a pretty good policy. Mm. But there have been a few ones where I've opted for the dub, and uh, it's always been a, it's always worked out. Yeah, yeah. If, if the overwhelming consensus is go for the dub, then I will do so. Cowboy Bebop was one of them, where it's like the dub is better. Watch the dub. Uh, Evangelion was another. You watched the dub and... version of Evangelion, really? Yes, because uh, I also wanted to be, you know, in addition to. Wanting to experience Evangelion, I wanted to be part of the zeitgeist as well. Thanks. And most people would have listened to the English dub. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know what? The English dub for that is quite good. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> and uh, what, what was the other one? Well, Dragon Ball Dragon Ball's a big one for me. Oh, well, yes. Dragon Ball is the big one. But I'm not as big of a, a Dragon Ball mark as you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose, uh, yes, it was the big O. The big O was the, it's the pseudo-Batman Gundam giant robot one you, you'll recognize the aesthetic if you look it up it's it was on toonami for a while i find that toonami is often the, the coming na- the name of the show is the big o the big o <laughs> it's the uh i i feel like the common denominator for a lot of these is should i watch the dub or sub and i offer the dub is was it on toonami in the 90s and everyone very strongly remembers the dub very fondly man that dude looks strikingly like bruce wayne from the batman animated series <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh, I do remember. I do remember this being advertised on Toonami, Actually, I believe I remember the the logo of it at the very least, and nothing else. <laughs> I don't think I ever finished it. You know, I, m- I might go back today. It's one of those sort of uh, '90s animes that you have a, a fondness for in your head that uh-huh. you just want to go back to and live in that coziness for a little while. I might do that at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, 
to bring it to Cowboy Bebop, really good. Uh, I, yeah, I, as I was saying, I don't know if people are really divisive on Ed or not. Maybe they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. Most uh, the consensus, everyone likes Ed. Good, thank God. You know, it's it's, it's one of those things that in, in lesser shows, I'm sure a lot of people just would have fucking wrote an Ed off. Ed's great. Mm-hmm. Much much needed like lightness. That you know, obviously, Cowboy Bebop finds a way to break your heart over. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I'd say. Really enjoyed watching it. Definitely one of the best anime shows in terms of completeness I've watched. It's got stiff mm-hmm. competition for top five, and uh, it, it it didn't make it in. <laughs> like I'm looking at, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, all right, JoJo, Evangelion, Death Note, Dragon Ball, which I refuse to move, and you can all fight me. Uh, it's not deep. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> it's like I just I love Dragon Ball, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, it's number is so big. The fifth one, I, st- I still like. You're you're not nearly as interested in it, but I I was really affected by Devil Man Cry Baby. Uh, to a real real deep extent, I really loved that show. So I still think it kind of scratches think, into number five. I think that might be because I watched Evangelion first. Maybe. And uh, I watched I watched Devil Man afterwards. I went, mm, I'm seeing some strong comparisons here. There are some influences going on, and I don't think what that diminished my opinion of the show in any way i do think it i guess a lot of the initial you know something hits you and you're like wow i've never seen this before this is crazy because uh you know there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn between the end of devilman crybaby and the end of evangelion to be sure sure but i mean like that ending was in the original devilman so oh i mean i'm not saying that there's like you know I'm not saying that anyone ripped anyone off, but you know what I mean. Like the you know, you saw the you saw, I saw Evangelion first. Yeah, yeah, and, and that had the like, big. This has wow, the, the lessens the impact for sure. Well, to be fair, it just it didn't work in reverse. I felt like the ending, the end of Evangelion, struck me just as hard in a totally different way. Well, it's something, all right. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. And both endings of Evangelion, just I really loved. We've talked about it before. You didn't really love the original ending of the show. I thought that was great on no, its own. I, the, my exact phrasing was the only resp- the only show I've seen where the response to running out of money was to disappear up its own ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> Other anime I watched. Uh, I, I, I've continued my adventures, my Digimon adventures. Colon. Oh, <laughs> Lovely. Uh, so I'm. It's like twelve episodes in now, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose I should ask. You know, since this might be a recurring question, a uh, dub or sub? Dub? I take it. Uh, the dub's not out. It's it's that fresh. Oh, you're watching. Oh yes, you're watching the new show. That's right. My mistake. I thought yeah, like uh, I was thinking of Digimon Adventure One. Mm, no, yeah, no. I mean, and when you get there, you you gotta do dub. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's like watching, That's like trying one. to watch the Pokemon anime in Japanese. It's, you can't do that. No, no, it's 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 just not the way things are done. <laughs> it's just not right. It's unnatural. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm watching Digimon Adventure colon for those who um, didn't check that episode, whatever that was. So I'm still watching it. Uh, I guess spoilers for the children's TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. But there was a recently, and by recently I mean this was about three weeks ago. But there was a recently a traumatic episode. Not like our grown-up cartoons, yeah. that's for sure. Not yeah, not the same, not the same type of trauma. But uh, yeah. a, a traumatic episode where Ogre Mom, staple series bad guy, and this time honor-bound anime warrior, 
gets betrayed mm. by the villains and crushed to death in a shot that is as scarring as it is hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about Digimon over Pokemon. It's not. It's not afraid. To f- it doesn't fuck around. Yeah, they really try to drive home just how awful this event is. And for a kids show, There's some white it's, in the show. It's pretty yeah. brutal. I'll be honest. There's just a shot where nothing happens, and then suddenly Ogremon is flattened under a massive foot, Monty Python mm-hmm. style. But then we see his disinterred corpse, and it's just rough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, the, the villain of Digimon Data Squad was just a genocidal maniac who just committed atrocities all the time, and it was played for like, yo, this is like the end of like, this is like the wiping out of a people. This is fucked yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is good. And the same thing is in this Digimon one, where there's like an underlying threat to all of Japan slash the mm-hmm. world that if these kids don't finish this adventure quick enough, you know. Ty's mother's gonna fucking starve to death, which is pretty bleak. Nice, nice. Um, mm. There's like an electronic blackout, but it's affecting their food supplies, and they don't spare details of how this affects the world. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, there was a part where they could have got you know nuked to death that very early on. Uh, they they solved that, but then uh, but that was kind of like there's no way they're gonna nuke Japan. <laughs> yeah, who would do something like that? There's just no way. But uh, they haven't let up on the... By the way, Japan is going to suffer unless these fucking kids get their get their shit together in the digital world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, no fucking around in this show. Yeah, yeah. You're thrown into a hostile environment and you either shape up or you get fucked. <laughs> you get eaten alive by some giant creature with a really complicated name. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm still watching it. It's very formulaic, so there's really not much to talk about past that point. Uh... The other show I watched uh, last on this list is Extra Olymp- Olympia Kyklos. Extra Olympia what now? <laughs> Extra Olympia Kyklos. How <laughs> haven't you heard? So this is a an ongoing, and for quite a while now, ongoing uh, uh, weekly manga in Jump Shonen that has mm-hmm. only recently got its big day anime adaptation. Oh, this looks pleasingly offbeat. Yeah. So uh, it's by far the weirdest show I think I've started watching in anime uh, because it's because I don't think I've ever watched a straight up comedy mm-hmm. in anime, uh, but this is this is that. I mean, the thing I guess the closest I've watched to straight up comedy was Persona Four, the animation, which is fucking hilarious. But the, the yeah, this I mean, like it's it's five minute long episodes. There's a new one every week, and it's about a guy who I'll dare to call, but I might be misremembering. His name is Demetrius, Dem- 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 Demetrius, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. who is an athletically built potter in ancient Greece, uh, who is afraid of the Olympics and violence. He's, and uh, mm-hmm. and every episode, between he, he kind of gets into an argument with uh, the greedy mayor of his town, uh, and then mm-hmm. ends up getting time traveling to 1960s Tokyo, where the Olympics mm-hmm. is taking place. And oh dear! And each each episode, he kind of learns a lesson from the future and tries to apply it to ancient Greece, to sometimes success and sometimes like embarrassment. The animation is rendered in like clay models and paper cutouts. Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshots here. This is a really nice aesthetic, really distinct. It is. It's very memorable. Uh, I think, and I mean, it's it's all absurd. It's really, really quick. Quick. I mean, if I were a kid and watching this, uh, th- this would be the greatest fucking show. As an adult, it's kind of it's quaint. It's cute. You know, I check in on mm-hmm. it now and then. I don't try to make a big deal out of it. Like I don't have to catch every episode. Um, 
best part about it is every episode ends in a very short song about an element of ancient Greek living, usually. And mm-hmm. oftentimes they're just fucking hilarious. Uh, are you familiar with that? Who are you? I am from ancient Greece meme. No. No, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's from the dark net as usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I recommend it. Although it's not like a serious, like, this will change your life recommendation. Just like, give it a few episodes. If it's your kind of comedy, then it's it's your kind of comedy. If it's not, then eh, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm glad I've watched maybe 10 episodes. Just like you're glad you've watched or listened to 10 episodes of Factor Man, baby. 10th anniversary. Absolutely. Bam, bam, bam. We've come so far. Yeah. We've improved so much. I've literally listened to the first episode today and we don't sound any different 10 episodes on. I know. <laughs> I know. In episode one, I was recording this in a cubby hole in the corner of my room with a terrible mic. <laughs> Now I'm now I'm recording it in the cubby hole in the core of my room with a fairly good mic. All right, next up, Dark Souls cubby hole. Oh, sorry, what'd you say there? I heard I heard cubby hole. <laughs> I didn't hear that. You can probably guess. Dark Souls cubby hole. That's what's next. Oh, great, fantastic. All right, I didn't actually write down what I did, but um, I'll try and vaguely remember. So, uh, where did I end up? I I was in the depths. So what I've done since. I plowed through the depths. There's a boss in the depths, isn't there? I, oh yes, there, there is. It's a really good one. Uh, the I know it's it's so cool, isn't it? The fucking the uh, gaping dragon is that his name? Yeah, that's right. That fucking guy. I loved it. I love that he's not really the boss. The boss is the fucking dude on the third floor shooting crap at you. <laughs> yeah, he leaves an impression, huh? <laughs> what a fucking great design! Is exactly what I'm looking for from these games. <laughs> That was so much fun. You look fun. at this going, more like this, please. Exactly. That was such a fun boss. Uh, I, I failed it a good number of times, mostly because of Arrow Boy at the top level. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting just the right amount of pressure on to just not fucking stay out in the open or stick around for any length of time. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really, really good fight. I enjoyed the challenge of doing it with this asshole fucking pelting me every five seconds. Uh, got the, the key from him to Blight Town mm-hmm. and went to the famous Blight Town. Uh... Uh, frame rate time? <laughs> oh, I had the remastered version, so it was perfectly fine. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You're you're not getting the authentic experience. <laughs> you're, you're not getting the experience of walking in the blight town, panning the camera around at all the rickety framework, and watching your frame rate plunge <laughs> to like 10 frames per second. Yeah, no. And going, oh no. <laughs> I remember hearing that the remastered version wasn't particularly great. But uh, I have literally had no problems with it, and uh, certainly not in performance. It's been great. Oh, it was shocking. I'm telling you, like, it's like, how did this game get shipped in this state? <laughs> I'm relieved, because it ain't worth it. Yeah, I, I've already been through Blight Time. I loved Blight Time, actually. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that the, the most harrowing experience of it is its frame rate. Uh but I don't know, I, I found it really fun to get around. I love the aesthetic of it. It is miserable, but I love the, the rickety... It is a unique look. I think there's one level that is like this in every Souls game. Mm. And, like, the Demons, Souls, Souls 2 and Souls 3, there's a fucking, like, dank-ass, this is disgusting, I'm waiting, like, waste level three human excrement <laughs> like a like a swamp level mm. and uh did you get to the bottom i did I, i'm i'm actually a good bit further than blight town uh, ah grand so uh what i did i got i got to the bottom uh 
It wasn't. It wasn't too trying. I, the dark guys were very annoying. So finding them oh, and killing yeah. them was very, very uh, satisfying once you track them down. Mm. Uh, yeah, they don't come back. That's a that's relief. a relief. Uh, that makes Blighttown actually quite manageable. Um, mm-hmm. uh, got to the bottom where the swamp is. Found a bonfire. That was a great relief. <laughs> Ooh. Oh yeah, that was I. I can loved imagine that. <laughs> that was just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it's at this point it's uh i should ask have you been kindling bonfires no i haven't so what that means is if you kindle a bonfire it means whenever you rest at that bonfire you get more estus refills from it oh okay so uh, if, if you find yourself getting your ass kicked in a particular segment of the game and you're going this is fucking like you can trade you can trade a humanity to kindle the thing and you'll get a instead of you start off with five isn't it five SS last yeah yeah i think you can bump it up to seven and more beyond that but i only think you can bump it up uh to a max of three all right cool that is good to know uh well i haven't needed it so far so i mean fair enough i got to the there's a bonfire in the swamp that's pretty fucking handy um mm-hmm. and then there's a big dopey spider web thing in the far distance uh-huh. part of the swamp and uh this leads to what was a super fucking fun boss. This whole route was really fun. Every, every enemy in it is really fun. Kind of pestering and annoying. And the poison mm-hmm. routes kind of make it slightly difficult to traverse. But uh, Did you get the uh, the wood grain ring? Maybe not. It's a, it's a ring that allows you to roll in the, the waist high shit. Oh, yeah, 100% not. <laughs> There's your second 100%. There's your third 100%. There's your fourth. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, just racking them up. <laughs> um, no, I absolutely didn't. Uh, so, but yeah, it was fine. Um, so I got up uh, into this place where uh, a spider lady is. Mm-hmm. Quaylag. Quaylag. That's right. Uh, what a fun boss. Super, super fun. Uh, she, she's cool. She's got like a knife sword thing, flame sword thing. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. shoots lava out from the ground and spits oh. out lava. That reminds me. Bossles, what have you been doing with them? Keeping them. Keeping them? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, uh, that's a good instinct that you've been keeping them, because uh, in addition to eating them to gain a whole bunch of souls, you can trade them in for boss weapons and armor yeah, later on. Yeah, so I've read, and uh, I've been, mm-hmm. I keep checking in with the, the blacksmith in case he, he changes his mind about ever taking any of them, but he's never asked. Um Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, I assume someday they'll be important. And on on that instinct, just like with the humanities, I've been hoarding since the start. Uh, <laughs> I've just kept them, kept it all afloat. Anyway, killed killed spider lady, which uh, yeah took a couple of goes. But once you get down her like that, she kind of flashes when she uses her sword. Then you've got the you get the rhythm, and uh, yeah. then it's it's just a good old time. Uh, rang rang the bell, smash that bell. Subscribe. Oh, nice. Destroyed That's that bell. <laughs> two bells of awakening. Yeah. Game over, right? You've done what you came here to do. Game's over. Fantastic. <laughs> That's right. Let's go home, boys. Went down. There was, uh, there's two bonfires down there. Uh, mm-hmm. That was funny because I didn't see the, the, the one you're supposed to find first because I got the message to run through a hidden wall and joined a new uh, covenant. Which is the Spider People Chaos one? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, and that was that was good. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's another. There's like a hell path down there, uh, with another mm-hmm. bonfire. 
I, I walked down there. I didn't really see where to go, so I, I think I'm probably here too early. So I uh, backed, <laughs> made the mistake. I made a mistake. Uh, I backtracked all the way up to Firelink with the shortcut mm-hmm. path that's in Blighttown, which is fucking great. Goes through the mm-hmm. Valley of Drakes, killed a dr- dragon thing that's hanging on the side of a cliff. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but went to Firelink and everybody's gone. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was, I was genuinely shocked. It was really very scary. <laughs> the fire's been put out. Mm, and you're, 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 fucking, you're, you're fucking the lady. The lady who ups your S's fast. She was dead. <laughs> oh my goodness. Scary. Who could have done this? I don't know. It might have been that knight guy, the golden armor guy. He was sort of saying, I'm thinking about moving. Could have been him. Mm. But I, yeah, I don't know. Lautrec. Lautrec, yeah. He was like, mm, me, I'm thinking of a bit tired of this spot. Might get out of here. And you know it's bad when the guy who fucking chuckles at you from the, the bonfire, he was fucking distressed. Oh, the yes, I know the one, uh, the crestfallen warrior. Yeah, that guy who's been like, you're gonna die out there. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> you go to him and he's like, Ah, oh, you rang the bell. Everybody's gone. I just, you know, it's getting really, really scary these days. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, Oh, man. What a downer. <laughs> I liked you more when you were a prick. Anyway, I actually made that whole backtrack because I had a new um, Firekeeper soul or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking to upgrade my Estus Flask and then I came back to find her dead. And I was like, Fuck! <laughs> So I had to go all the way back down to through Blighttown to my co- new Covenant because Spider Lady does the same thing, but I didn't have the fucking upgrade at the time. The uh, did you so from uh, the Fire Lady, the one who's dead, her name's Anastasia, I think, or something like that. Uh, did, there's an item on her body. Did you get I it? I did. Excellent. You will be making use of that at some point. Okay. I'm, I will say no more. Great. Uh, anyway, so I um. I went back up. I've uh, I've went to I did I did the thing. I went to the gate where Sig- Sigmund was or Sigmire Sigmire mm-hmm. uh, was that had opened after ringing the two bells, and I uh, walked in and was, was fighting off some lizard guys, and uh, mm-hmm. I was like, these lizard guys are a little strong, like surprisingly strong. Not not kicking my ass, but in groups, I I feel like I'm being more than challenged than mm-hmm. by these sort of mid level next rung up guys. You know, I expect that when, when you're walking through the swamp and you're kicking everything's ass, you kind of think that the next place you're supposed to go is probably going to be something a little more like mid-level, you know, more than a couple of swipes, but a little bit of parrying and you're good. But the, mm-hmm. the lizard guys are like two parries and a fucking swipe. So I might be a little, it might be a little early to be going through Serves Fortress or whatever you call this place. Sen's Fortress. That's it. AKA Sen's Funhouse, as everyone <laughs> likes to call it. Yeah, so I'm not entirely certain that's the first path, so I'm thinking I'll potter around a bit and see if I maybe... I might get Sif now. I think I'm probably at the right mm-hmm. level for that. Um, oh yeah, you can take Sif at this point. I should say that uh, canonically, or on the critical path, Sen's Fortress is the way to go after you've rung the two bells. But, like, you know, no pressure. You know, do what you like. Cool. It's one of those games where you can take a side route and see where it takes you. On that note, uh, so you know the bottom of Blighttown, right? Mm. At one end, there is the area leaning towards Quaylag's boss arena. In the other direction, there's another area at the other corner. Did you go in there? I did go there. I'm not sure if I saw what I was supposed to see because I climbed a tree and got a thing, like a shield. Mm-hmm. Crap. There Flank is a... 
I would suggest that you take a closer look in there. You might find something of interest. Right, okay. All right. I'm That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, because um, uh, my friend Andy Clark, who I've mentioned a couple of times on the show, he suggested track out that tree as well. And mm-hmm. uh, and when I got there and got the plank and that was it, <laughs> I was like, uh, maybe we were talking about something else uh, or I got confused. Uh, but apparently, no, it is that tree. All right. Okay. I'll go back. I'll go back. Okay. Uh, That's all that I'll say. All right. Cool. Um, but yeah, I'm having a good time. That's pretty much the progress I've made as far as I remember. The one thing I kind of, that was ringing in my head a little bit recently, though, I kind of feel like, now I'm like at a point, I'm a good bit into Dark Souls. And I now, now more than ever, do I feel absolutely baffled by the Dark Souls memes. Like, I feel like I should have, like, caught on at some point and been like, yeah, the memes are starting to kick in. You know, I'm, I'm they're making sense. Like, get good, you know? Lol. Mm-hmm. But like I, I like I fundamentally think that get good is like still a demonstrably lame meme. Oh, uh a lot a lot of the memes stem from the PvP scene. <laughs> okay. But no, I mean like in, in in common parlance from someone who wasn't into Dark Souls for the longest time, I've only heard get good in the context of if you're not enjoying Dark Souls, get good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, that's not really what happened, though. You know, I didn't get good at Dark Souls. You know, I, I think I'm still pretty bad at it. I just, well, I mean, I, uh, I grinded well, a little I, bit, I, I guess. <laughs> you know, I mean, I won't, I won't deny there is a small element of elitism at play there, but uh, I guess it's because you weren't the intended recipient for that that advice, if it could be called that. It's all those people who aren't really used to this kind of game, who uh, don't have, I guess, a Lawrence... Who, people who aren't Lawrence adjacent <laughs> and, can't, and can't have me go, hey, have you tried doing this? This might help. I mean, keep in mind, you did start this game over, like, twice. Yeah. This is for the people who didn't know that they should start over. Like, they put all their levels into, like, weird, like, stats that they don't need because they were trying to balance things out. And uh, they picked a weapon that wasn't very good, and they didn't pick up on it right away. And they didn't have a, a grasp of what the game was trying to tell them uh, regarding, you know, the conservation of Estuses. Or, you know, maybe they they lost their souls a whole bunch of times, and they're just getting really frustrated. And uh, it's clear that's not really clicking with them. And they go, oh, I'm having a lot of trouble, what do I do? And the response is, get good. Which is basically, you know, <laughs> look at a guide... Acquaint yourself with what the game expects of you. Yeah. See, that's uh, that's never what know, I've gotten l- from it. Like the, the... L- learn to roll. You know, that's yeah. Should have rolled. I I I mean, there's definitely you know getting physically better at the game makes sense. You know, getting better at its systems, uh, fine. But I mean, like I it's like it's the word good there that doesn't actually like it. It just doesn't describe what you're doing. You know, it's like. I guess, you know, it's it's meme, so there it is. You have all the answer mm-hmm. you have, you need. But then, you know, it I mean, rhymes. You got, you, you got, I mean, I, I guess you don't get it because you got good. That's just the way it is. <laughs> but like, yeah, but like, it becomes more gatekeepy than useful for people who even oh, could get into it, you know, and could to apparently be sure, get there good. Is a cons- <laughs> There, there is some gatekeepiness to the get good meme. Uh, but that's uh, what it it's, means. It's partially, it's partially gatekeeping. It's partially taunting people after you kick their ass in PvP. I just, I, I think it's even less interesting now that because Dark Souls is a massively popular franchise. 
Oh, it is now. Yeah, no, I, mean, I know. You have, like, you, you have, I, I, there's a bit of hindsight bias at play here, because you have to remember, uh, Demon Souls came out, and it didn't do very well. I mean, it did all right, but the whole get good, you know, little get, get wrecked casual scrub, you know, those people, yeah. they didn't really come about until Dark Souls 1 came out, and the PvP scene really developed, partially because of the whole, you know, the game was marketed upon how difficult it was. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of people who weren't used to difficult games playing it when it came out and bouncing off of it super hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... It doesn't help that I had the whole, you know, prepare to die, you're going to die over and over yeah, and over yeah. marketing campaign when it first came out. I guess, okay. So I, I guess I get it. It's just that I found it very... Because yeah, I, I, you keep hearing it even after Dark Souls 3 came out. And, like, not only is, like, the tiredest of memes, but it's also, like, this is a massive fucking franchise. You know, like, mm-hmm. people are are good you know they get it <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like the, it's 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 mainstream now so it's not even gatekeeping that makes any sense it's just like a a lame derisive thing against some people who don't enjoy it at this point well the uh the get good meme originated with this game yeah so i mean i got it persisted, in if, o- if only out of because you know memes don't just die yeah unfortunately they evolve <laughs> evolve or sort of stagnate i guess mm-hmm. but uh yeah, all right. Well, whatever. Anyway, that's uh, that's Dark Souls Corner. Copy hole. Damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're, you know, you're tilting your hand a little bit there. Uh, yeah, I'm fucking... Making clear influences a bit too easily there, a bit too transparent. Uh, last thing from my week. Which, I'm sorry, I'm already going on way too long. <laughs> I've been playing The Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds or The Outer Wilds? The Outer Worlds. Uh, okay, so the the uh, Obsidian one, right? Uh, Obsidian's lunch-eating uh, simulator. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I, there's not a lot to talk about, to be honest. I just thought I'd bring it up because I've been playing I'm about 12 hours into it. I've been saying the number mm-hmm. 12 quite a bit this week. And it's, 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 okay. it's, I've just realized that. What is like, with numbers? It's like some kind of weird numerology. There's 100%, there's 12. What's yeah. going on here? The subliminal messaging is becoming a bit too obvious. Yeah, yeah I'm laying the foundation for a secret code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 100 minus 12 is 88. That, that took me way too long to do. <laughs> what happened in the year 1988? What happened? What happened? <laughs> That's when Zelda 2 came out. He made up. Uh, Zelda 2, something, 2, 2 minus 88, 86, Mario 2K, this is a great, this is a great bit. Next bit. <laughs> uh, right, I think it's, um, alright, so I've been playing Outer Worlds, and I think it's the first game I've played in a long while where I felt deeply uncritical borderline mindless i mean like we've heard the criticism of the open worlds i mean everybody liked it for the lunch stealing inherent where it is fallout mm-hmm. but not jankus balls um yeah which uh thumbs up on that it truly is fallout but not jankus balls but i mean like yeah the criticism that i've heard as far as i'm aware uh is is all true i mean like i remember jack packard 
in his now defunct show underdeveloped he said like the world building was particularly bad especially early on i heard the opposite yeah no it's it's true the um and say like fallout games it kind of pushes you out into this environment where you you get the world gradually to you mm-hmm. and there are more obviously threatening forces and less threatening forces but you really decide like your own moral compass uh, the Outer Worlds is deeply pushing for you to see one side as the as a, a sort of legitimate. This is the good guy side. Like you are, and you can you can bail on it anytime you want, which is mm-hmm. good. But you could be a corporate stooge. But yeah, but like the world, you can't deny that the world is actively ruined by these companies. You know, like the setting yeah. of it doesn't allow for a real debate on like <laughs> what's the best way to handle this colony of planets. You know, like it is like real life. You well, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like the message is good; it's clear. You know, like corporations don't have your best interest at heart. Don't let them run a government ever. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) but like in terms of like what the game is trying to do, in terms of giving you all the options, it's heavily biased against the the capitalist side. I suppose that's only true if you think that you need to morally align with something in real life in order to side with them in the video game. I mean, it's perfectly fine to, like, play the corporate stooge character because you think it's fun. Like, to just be like, I'm gonna toady up to these corporations to be a little, like, Randall with his, like, you know, Randall from Recess with his little notebook, well, that I, sort of here's, thing. The, the point Jack Packard made was that at the start of the game, you know, there's this lost ship that your character is rescued from and revitalized from, uh, where people from Earth have been sent to this space colony to be the next sort of inhabitants of these planets. And it has been lost for 50-odd years or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, a, a crazy terrorist scientist man uh, rescues you and push you on your way and gets you on the path to starting the game. Mm-hmm. Where a, a smart game would send him there and not really tell you much and say, Hi, I'm the guy who saved your life. Off you go. This one has a pre-written cutscene where the, the entire setup is that the corporations have left these people out here through negligence. You know, like you're starting on a ground where you actively have reasoning to not trust the corporations because mm-hmm. your character, regardless of the way you look at it, has been set aside by them by default. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, it kind of, it also goes quite a way to, to sort of saying, you know, you can't even remotely trust the companies. You can't like, there's no like mystique of falling for the wrong guy here. You know, like the, the corporations are never given the chance to, to even like blindsight you at some point in their obvious way, you know, like, which, you know, you should see coming anyway, but there's, there's nothing like alluring about that, uh, that concept of joining the corporations because you don't know if you could active actually rise up the ranks. You've seen the top and you know that they don't let anybody in. Uh, I think it'd be more of a role play thing for those so inclined. Yeah, but you, I, okay. Well, I, I understand that. I just think that that's a fair criticism that I feel like that side of the world building could have been cut and you could have been left to pick your, pick it all up yourself rather than being pushed out with too much information and then not being able to make dumb mistakes or fun choices on your gut instincts and changing your mind later on. You know, like it kind of just pushes you out for, it's a bit of a silly thing, but it's, it's a true criticism, I think. I have to say... The criticism I've heard about the game is actually directly contrary to that. Like, uh, the the criticism I've always heard is that the game starts off very, very strong, 
but uh, by the end of it, you're kind of yeah, okay, I get it. And it peters out a little bit in the in the in the last couple of hours. Yeah, I mean, maybe I haven't got that far. So mm-hmm. I mean, well, I hope I haven't primed you. No, I mean, I've heard that criticism too. And to be fair, you do feel it. But I, I've always felt that in Fallout games anyway, and this one definitely has that same vibe. Like I never finished New Vegas for the same reason. I found that the end goal was uh wasn't all that. once you got into the world and realized how it all worked. I realized I I never felt inclined to see it to any conclusion or for some reason, you know, like I felt like I, I, I kind of, once the side quests all start building up, you start to realize, ah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess I'm not that invested. Uh, I, not as invested as the game is in itself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, aside from that, and like other criticisms, you know, like uh, Yahtzee, he said, you know, no matter what character build you go for, you're always going to be a dude with a gun. Uh, mm-hmm. That's true. And uh, and Jim Sterling, I guess these are all escapist journalists. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, but Jim Sterling, uh, that just shows where your where you where your where your tastes are. You started off the the escapist, and then you branched out from there. Yeah, I guess. Um, Jim Sterling said it was as, as subtle as a dildo sledgehammer, which is very on brand. Uh, and that's mm-hmm, those are all. Course. I think those are all really valid playing it. He would know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, at the same time, it's not that I disagree with any of the criticisms. I just it doesn't seem to matter in the moment. Mm, yeah, you're just you're just enjoying the ride. Yeah, it's just it's to me it's the most comfortable fucking ride I could ever be on. It's just. Go and talk to people, take on missions, follow the waypoints, shoot things. It's it's mindless. Uh, but, I mean, like, at the same time, there is a borderline. There is, like, a, a low level that needs to be checked. You know, it has to be an interesting setting. The characters have to be somewhat interesting. Uh, the writing has to be somewhat good. And it does have all those things in, in, in highs and lows. But for the most part, the baseline is quite above average. Like, it's funny mm-hmm. when it needs to be funny. It's kind of harrowing and dark when it needs to be dark. I wouldn't say I'm emotionally affected one way or the other to, like, the absolute extremes. But, like, there's definitely parts where I've chuckled or there's parts where I've, like, eww. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, for the most part, I haven't really played a lot into, like, I haven't played it much as a shooter, which is good. And I haven't mm-hmm. had to play it much as a shooter, which is really good. Like, there have been straight-up yeah. missions where I've been able to, to hit a button on a computer and then all the enemies in the area fucked off and and then i just got on with the mission got out and got all the experience for doing so regardless uh which was great I, that's that's the character i rolled and that's what i went with so I'm, I'm happy about that it doesn't work all the time especially if you do side missions there are parts where you just have to shoot your way through uh and i do side missions but at the same time the, the combat's not hard and actually it gives you too many tools it gives you way too much health packs and it, that you can carry on infinitely and it gives you a slow move shoot button thing which you really don't need and not only that if you have companions not only will they shoot things for you and never really die but they uh they all they both have a instant kill this thing button <laughs> uh-huh. so like you you really just have a fucking uh, arsenal of things that allow you to get away with not having to do much combat at all but uh, i mean my advice to anybody who isn't playing the game with i like lone wolf i have new companions don't put any points in the combat there are you like your characters doesn't need any points in combat at all, and I regret putting the ones that I did in there. <laughs> oh, you say that, but just wait, wait till you get to that one quest where you're separated from your party and you have to do things in your own and you have to be reunited. Could with them. could be the case. Could be the case. I I I find it hard to believe that they would make such a grand error for anything critical to the story path. But 
Sure. Anyway, yeah, I've, I've literally just been playing side missions and the missions of this. I really like the world. Uh, mm-hmm. It's how's the writing? The writing's really good. It's the original yeah, it's, guys who did the original Fallout. It's got it's got it's got the Obsidian touch. Yeah, it really does. It's um, it's really quite funny. I find it is really like the moralism in it isn't very deep, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, like I'm really not there for that. I'm really here for just a like a be somewhere in a cool aesthetic. Uh, lose myself in this kind of universe for a while and uh and it's it's taken that box really fucking well and the writing goes a long way to make it so because even though i don't listen to everything every character has to say i do tend to stick around and especially the companions that you get that Mm -hmm. you build your little posse uh anytime they have a side mission i am instantly compelled to do them because i'm like i really like these characters all but yeah. the one that doesn't. Maybe they'll open up later, but like at the moment, they're kind of just like, a, I'm a cool person that keeps myself to myself. And I'm like, that's cool. That's a fine character trait. But like, that, that instantly puts you on the lesser foot next to these subtly interesting characters or overtly interesting characters. <laughs> the, the Vincent of the group. I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm referencing FF7, uh. a game that I have not played. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Blowing myself wide open on that <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm literally just playing through it. <laughs> I guess uh, I'm sorry to the critics and fingers of the world, but like truly, it. I despite it, one way or another, I just find this very comforting. Which, by the way, is what we're up against, comrades. <laughs> the true enemy <laughs> is comfort. So I don't know never, if they factored that into for, the message of the game. Never forget what the true adversary looks like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I don't know if they factored in that their game, their edgy like take down the company game, is intensely comfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's. I, other than that, my other sidebar for this is uh, the biggest argument I ever heard about uh, the Outer Worlds is that it was too short, or something like that, and that's no, just no, really. absolutely incorrect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, the main criticism is that it slumps a little near the end. So if if anything, it ends at just the right time. It ends just as it starts to get boring for people. Yeah, I mean, you apparently you can blow through this in, that's right, 12 hours. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, that's an actual reference to the, to the, how long to beat. Time to beat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, 12 hours is apparently the average main story run through time, which I think is absurd. <laughs> like, I mean, you're an actor, RPG that is quite short, actually. But, but, which is it. handy if you're the kind of person who really needs the blast for it. But like, mm-hmm. like you like are you? actively no, you are actively who plays an RPG. They only do the story missions. People who have a podcast. <laughs> well, no, because there's loads of there's loads of little things I, I know, might pick I up. Know. I guess there there's a there's a character run out there that somebody could do. Like the guy who just gets on with the story and runs through it. But like. I just find it hard to believe that you're getting hit over the head with some really interesting side missions and you're like, nope. <laughs> like, you gotta be remotely interested. Like, no, what is, what's the, what's the how long to beat for the uh, main storyline and side missions? Because they very handily do have statistics for both of those. That's right. And the completionist uh, metric as well. That's right. Which is the, good for me as well. The main and extra, I believe, is 28 hours. Uh, which is still short enough for an RPG, but I think it's lengthy a enough. A game of this type, yeah, it is. But uh, it re- it's, that's about about right for Fallout and Fallout New Vegas length. Fallout 3 length, sorry, and Fallout New Vegas. Those mm-hmm. are not very long games. 
Uh, I'm surprised to hear that. I guess my metric, my uh, my measuring stick for these things is Elder Scrolls games. Yeah, that's which, it's uh, not the, the same. The, 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 the hundreds of hours long. Yeah, yeah. If you let it. Yeah, and I have. Uh, to be sure, I've. Uh, I well, as an indicator, I've beaten the main quest of Skyrim three times, <laughs> and that's I, I, like the I, I worst be, part oblivion. of it. <laughs> I beat Oblivion. I don't think I ever did beat Skyrim. I might revisit that at some point. You know, I might go back to Skyrim and I'll be like, "Hey, this is the Skyrim episode of the podcast." <laughs> yeah. Everyone turns off. Yeah, because everyone done just it. turns off the channel because they don't want to fucking hear it. Oh, actually, Oblivion. I beat all of Oblivion except the Fighters Guild because uh, I <laughs> stole something from them and I got kicked out. And then, uh, and then I earned their favor again. And then during a quest, I accidentally killed one of their guys because you know. If there's a whole bunch of people on one team fighting a single enemy, it just becomes a fucking clusterfuck. Like, everyone's stabbing Caesar at the same time, and they're stabbing each other by accident, and I killed a guy, and I was like, oh, well, shit. And then uh, the hoops that I had to jump through in order to get back into their good graces after I'd done that, I was like, fuck that. Fighters killed, you're like <laughs> yeah. the lamest of the bunch. I'm out of here, bitches. Exactly. See ya. I'm the hero of Cyrodiil. What you, get over it. He's just a dead dude. He's uh -huh. just one of your friends. Uh-huh. And he's like a human anyway. They're like the least interesting race. Am I right, fellow beast players? Ay, ay. And then I get kicked out for racism. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Skyrim, easily, if you let it, it can be 80, 100 hours, whatever you want. Uh -huh. Especially if you fucking roll again, which I have done at least three times. The The completionist run of The Outer Worlds is somewhere around 70 plus hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, it's 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 a very dense game and every decision you make can actively cut off whole uh, like quest lines. So you can make it as short or as long as you want, depending on your choices. You just shoot the fucking main guy in the head mm -hmm. and, you, you know, you skip his quest. <laughs> Everybody will kill you, but it'll, you know, you got that option. You've got the freedom to choose to ruin the game for yourself. <laughs> anyway, that's my week. News. See, it was a cowboy bebop thing. You see what I did there? Right? Ah, yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. Huh? <laughs> All right, this week on news, it's been action packed. Surprisingly, yeah. I feel like we've. Uh, there was like a drought for a while in the, uh, not very recently, but like in the middle of the summer where all this shit could have went mm -hmm. and has been slapped into the end of August for no reason. Mm -hmm. There was a Nintendo Direct Mini this week for, uh, it was another third party developers one. And uh, I mean, there was next to nothing of note in there. There was World of Tanks. That was like a key note. Like, World of Tanks is coming to the Switch. I hope you like rhythm games. But, uh, yeah, boy. Kingdom Hearts dancing all night. I, I, that's not the name of it. Mm -hmm. What is the name of it? It's a Melody something, something, something. Melody of Memory. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, it's... <laughs> that's, uh, what a get. And as as the giveaway in the presentation, I don't know if you watched it. I, little... I did, actually. It was only 11 minutes long, so... There was a... There was a tiny uh, tell in it that there were features exclusive to the Switch, which means this stupid dancing spin-off of Kingdom Hearts isn't even exclusive to the Switch. It's not even like a get for them. Mm -hmm. They uh, they let slit something. Uh, they said uh, including uh, a whole new story. Yeah. And at which point I was like, oh no. I can't wait for this to be required reading because this is canon to the events of the storyline. So I hope that you've played the fucking Dancing All Night melody game 
whenever the the next one comes up, and if you want to be caught up in the canon. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is such a fucking scam. (laughs) Never has a game series forced you to dredge through every single bit of its material and buy every single game because you never know what's going to be important. And what's worse, when it gets to the third one, it's not even like a definitive entry like it's just a bunch of stuff that happens see uh people go on about how the dark souls lore is obfuscated oh boy kingdom hearts that's where the real that's the that's the hard stuff right there that's the heroin <laughs> it's not even like it's obfuscated it's it's almost extra legible <laughs> like it's so in your face it's it just super doesn't liminal. make any fucking sense yeah, yeah. The, uh, the dark souls story is subliminal uh with Kingdom Hearts, it's super liminal. <laughs> uh, I, as with most rhythm games, looking at the footage of it without playing it, I have no idea how the hell you play it. So this looks like it's just a random, chaotic uh, imagery of a bunch of Kingdom Hearts players running up a music track, bopping to mm-hmm. little counters. For one very scary moment, I saw that the, the music track is curved like around the screen and I went, Oh my goodness, this isn't this isn't used to DJ Hero apparatus, does it? No. And I was like, no, it doesn't Whew. that's a I This mean, isn't fuser, man. I mean it, it would be nice for the DJ Hero fans out there to have something else to do with their lump of plastic, but I guess for the rest no of way us, those people are holding on to those things. DJ Hero like was lo- quite good, I'll have you know. I played at a convention one. I have the soundtrack, it's very nice. There's a uh, there's a landfill right next to the E T one in, in Mexico. Filled oh, with DJ with plastic musical instruments, and uh, the fucking DJ hero is the, the 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 higher bulk. Well, if only by virtue of mass, I suppose. Man, <laughs> see, if I ever visit New Mexico, I need to make a notice of visiting that landfill. I want to that's steal a, that's one of those a things. Big one, yeah, one hundred percent. It's like a pilgrimage site. <laughs> just racking them up, just racking them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, you're you're, you're, uh, you're overthinking yourself, your modes of speech too much yourself. I just thought that would make it worse for you, you know, just as I, a, I know. from one friend to I, another. Yeah, like fuck me for having an interesting way of saying correct <laughs> or absolutely or exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. I, I, in in fairness to Kingdom Hearts dancing all night, it uh, Kingdom Hearts soundtrack's really good. Yeah, so. that's a that's a. I mean, of all, it's a killer soundtrack. I think like yeah. aesthetic. <laughs> And sound effects and music, like audio design and visual design for Kingdom Hearts is always stellar. Yeah. It's probably the best thing about it. Yeah, almost Other certainly. than the fact of, oh, hey, it's Donald Duck. Whack, whack. Hey! That's about hey, the that's, only thing. That's incredible sound design, getting Donald Duck in his voice in HD quality. <laughs> Talking about the fucking Final Fantasy plots. Mm. is I like... <laughs> I started playing Kicking the Hearts 3. I made the mistake of doing this uh, while Maria, my wife, my wife Maria was in the Oh, room. that must have been a gas. <laughs> having Maria be exposed to Kingdom Hearts. Not only was it nonsense, but the moment she was kind of like, ah, I don't really see what the hell is going on. And like, we're all there. But uh, <laughs> Donald Duck comes into the fray. He's <laughs> 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 like, you don't know what to do, Sarah. And she was like, turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't prepared. Uh, else, elsewhere in the news, uh, Call of Duty returns to the only setting I've liked. Uh, it was announced this week that Call of Duty Black Ops returns to the Cold War with Call mm-hmm. of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, you know what was a, a nice day? 
April 15th to June 4th, 1989, <laughs> Beijing, where nothing happened. Everyone just all linked together and held hands, and it was a grand old time, and that's all that happened. You have to read into the conspiracy, man. Uh-huh. Something behind the scenes. We need to send in our covert best. Yeah, send in your covert best to Beijing in 1988, where they can confirm for you, for you, the Western audience, that nothing happened there at that time. You may have heard that something happened, but you were mistaken. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't think I've seen the controversial teaser trailer for this, uh, so I, I'm not I'm not steeped in the in the hype, whatever that was. But I watched the. Uh, Gamescom, Ronald Reagan trailer. Uh, Saint Ronnie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what a what a good soul. What a kind soul. Uh, look at his rosy cheeks. Who could ever dislike that guy, huh? Yeah, man. Like you know, it's it's awkward, badly written semi propaganda when they can't even be bothered to portray Ronald Reagan to his kind of scathing awkwardness of real life. You know, like even yeah, you, even you at his best, have... his, his his defenders wouldn't have said he was like not a strange weirdo in most of his talk. You know, like like he was just a very strange dude in general. He had Alzheimer's. He was kind yeah. of an asshole. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. He's he's a, he's in in most terms a monster, and in general, like even defending terms, he was like a quirky person to hear. In the same way, we make we take we take the piss out of Nixon. Uh-huh. You know, like, he's got a lot of quirks to his character in terms of the way he delivers himself, in the same way mm-hmm. we do to Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I- I've always held the opinion that Trump is a Ronald Reagan clone that went wrong in the tube somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, like, the whole thing is that this trailer doesn't it doesn't even have the, the gall to portray yeah, Ronald Reagan. Has stately and competent. <laughs> exactly, as anything other than this, like, fucking Air Force One... <laughs> Harrison Ford, defend your people, gentlemen. That is my order. (laughs) Defend the the free world. (laughs) Exactly. I was just like, surely the whole point of the setting, the bombastic nuts craziness of Call of Duty Black Ops is we get to see these guys as like super parodies, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like you get to see them, you get to get like an actor come in and do Ronald Reagan no dignity whatsoever and uh and no it's not only that you'll actively pretend he wasn't crazy uh-huh. <laughs> like, well, even I mean, like knowingly crazy <laughs> this ties into a problem that the call of duty franchise has been running into lately where uh basically since codblops onwards where uh codblops one was cartoonish to the point of ridiculousness like the last shot of that game is you emerging from the ocean getting on a boat with a whole bunch of battle cruisers around you, with American flags flying off of them, and like Harriers going over, stopping, and the music swells, like, and it stops just short of going, America, fuck yeah. <laughs> and uh, ever since then, they've been trying to go for a more grinded approach, which is very unfortunate. <laughs> Because then people start asking questions about the way in which you've chosen to depict these historical figures. Very uncomfortable questions that your marketing department won't let you talk about. Questions such as, uh, let's see, the thing that I was alluding to earlier as, hmm, why has this footage of the Tiananmen Square massacre been excised from the Chinese trailer that you released? Oh, uh, don't worry about that. That's fine. Didn't happen there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, you know, China, China, nothing happened in 1989, Tiananmen Square. So, you know, what's the problem? What, why are you upset? It's one of those, uh, it's it's the Mandela effect, uh-huh. I think. You know, a lot of people remember it happening. But, you know, it was actually like, it, it was, it was, uh, it was a hoax. 
Yeah, because at the same time there was a there was a TV show called Chinaman Square. Oh yes, yes, of where, course. Where, yeah, uh, where yeah, it was yeah, actually yeah, I remember that. quite gritty, and there was like, Berenstain weird, like, Bears. You know what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess me, it was man. just. It was probably just uh, it was you know the MK Ultra chemicals that got exposed into the air. You know the chemtrails and all that. Everyone just imagined that something happened in Tiananmen Square in 1989. Crazy, am I right? Who would think something like that? In any case. In any case, they've put themselves in a comfortable position whereby making these things more grounded and quote-unquote serious. Now, the way in which they've chosen to portray these real-life events it comes into question, and they've yeah. been they've been squirming and basically doing everything in their power to avoid having to answer any kind of difficult questions, such as, mm-hmm. did you know in Modern Warfare, the most recent one, Modern Warfare, the one just called Modern Warfare, not Modern Warfare mm-hmm. 1, but Modern Warfare? You mean Modern, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare? No, but let's 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 continue. Uh, they had a, <laughs> they had a sequence called Highway of Death, where uh, oh, the, I I think I've heard about this, but please so go uh, on. there's a sequence where uh, a whole bunch of there's like a military convoy going down this long highway, a convoy that contains civilians, including women and children and whatnot, and it gets bombed to shit by the Russians. And you're like, oh, those Russians, how dare they with their nasty war atrocities? How dare they? That was a terrible thing. We need to stop them. And it's like, hey, guys, um, you know that the highway of death was a thing that happened in real life, right? And it wasn't the Russians that did it. It was the other guys, you know, the Americans. That's an awkward, that's an awkward thing to parse, though. Yeah, and the Russians uh, are the bad guys, so, I mean, obviously they had something to do with it, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously the <laughs> Russians, it must have been, it was a false flag operation, it was the Russians the whole time. That's right, that makes sense. Of course, That of makes course. sense yeah, to me, my, my always trusting, never doubting brain. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Um, yeah, I think you're entirely right, they've, they've walked themselves into a, a, a whole, also, you know, like, you can't keep that serious tone. Ch- alter history. Know your history. That was the tagline for the trailer, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but even like even shit like uh, you know like you can't do that shit and then also have your wacky fun white phosphorus your enemies gameplay for multiplayer uh-huh. and you know oh, like oh yeah Oof. tighten yeah. tighten the load that bad you know like you just think figure think think this shit through. I remember. Even though it's been a couple of years, and maybe there's, I'm sure there's some dodgy shit. No matter where you look in the Call of Duty, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you, a lot of lineage. oops and yikes. Yeah, but I mean, I remember in the original Black Ops, it was kind of like quirky, you know, like it was kind of. The, I remember the multiplayer. It was the zombie mode ha- had fucking you play as parodies of of presidents. Yeah, you know, like so, fucking cartoon yeah. characters. Yeah, you have John F. Kennedy saying a bunch of stupid shit. Nixon was there, Robert McNamara, which makes everyone go, who's Robert McNamara? He's the Secretary of Defense, I think. He's a monster. Uh (laughs) And uh, who was the other guy? I can't remember. It was Nixon, JFK, Robert McNamara. Uh... Castro. Oh, yes. What a... Yeah, okay. Sure. Fine. One of these things is not like the other. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. What's he doing in the White House? Anyway, so yeah, you can do the whole goofy 80s like conspiracy thriller, uh-huh. and that's fine, but if you're gonna do a grounded, serious take on the Cold War and the things that took place within then, you're really not in a position to pretend that you're not being political, because that was the Cold War was a war that was almost exclusively fought <laughs> on the political theater. So... <laughs> You can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> Shit, 
in any case, uh, at this point, by trying to be apolitical and by projecting yourself as apolitical, not only are you choosing to be political by an action, you're also exposing yourself as massive cowards with your small dick energy who's afraid to commit to anything. <laughs> Yeah, the emotion I'm registering isn't as high as upset or <laughs> disappointment. Uh-huh. It's not no, even on that register. It's, no, it's it's it's, a, it's like that range of disappointed but not surprised. Yeah, it's like a, like a gray cloud of amusement and shame. Predictable. <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy Call of Duty Blops mm-hmm. uh, Cold War when it comes out in November, kids. I mean, they could, they could have, they could have saved that scene with uh, Ronald Reagan if they just at the as the cutscene ended, he he, he just like <laughs> leaned over and hit the intercom and went, uh, Nancy, can you you send in my five o'clock with Oliver North? And that would have been like, hey, they led into it. There you go. Anything, anything. Uh-huh. You could have fucking hit his head on the way out. <laughs> it would have or been a fucking godsend. Or snorted a line of coke or something. <laughs> yeah, just I went, this anything. is the good stuff. Send us off to the slums. Uh, the big thing we had this week was Gamescom. Uh, yes. Uh, Gamescom had, uh, had our good old good old Jeff at the at the wheel. Take uh, the Jeff, wheel, Jeff. Do, do, doing his best. Uh, <laughs> keeping, keeping the game economy, uh, the advertising economy for the games. Like Atlas holding up the heavens. <laughs> exactly. So we got to see a bunch of stuff. A lot of it I didn't write down because it was kind of like a trailer to something that wasn't really explained. And Mm -hmm. it was uh, no gameplay at all. Including what was like a 10-minute segment on a new Dragon Age with nothing but concept art and fucking unfinished 3D models to show. Uh, Always a delight. So, uh, you know, no game, no hype, them's the rules, but like, it's not even like a development. You know, Bioshock could be canned before this game gets started. Uh, Christopher Lloyd showed up. Oh, really? In the new Dragon? I just saw, I just skimmed, like, I took your advice, and I I, I saw the the video with... Yeah, I read an article that summed up the highlights. Like, I saw the 7R limit of the actual video, and I scrolled down in the comments... And I saw, wow, two hours of trailers that we've already seen. And I went, you know what? I don't think I'll... Nah, nah. No, I, I don't recommend it. it. A lot of it was skippable in the moment. So mm-hmm. you could get away with some of it. And as I did, there was like parts where it was just like prattling on about certain games. But um, this one I stuck around with because it was Christopher Lloyd uh, reprising Doc Brown for maybe the third or fourth time I've seen since in the last five years. He's, he's come back. Uh, and, uh, you know, thumbs up, man still got it. What is he, 112? He's, he can still breathe. He's got of. that energy. <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah. great. He's really, really good. Uh, it just, it, it just crushes the soul to see him chill for a live streaming game. I which... was frozen today. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone remember that one, kids? <laughs> Anyone remember Nostalgic Critic from 2004? Yep. Uh. You do. Of course I do. We all had to climb out. Remember Suburban Commando? That's not from having ever actually watched it. No. <laughs> I remember the meme. The forced meme. That the very forced meme. <laughs> remember frying the coke? Boy, that one took off, didn't it? I, no, I don't remember that one. 
Oh, um, well, you know what? I'm just going to provide no context to that one whatsoever. That one can <laughs> stay dead as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> okay, good. Um, anyway, uh, so he was shilling for um, Surgeon Simulator 2, which did look like a lot of fun. Granted, it just kind of crushes the uh, crushes the spirit to see Doc Brown wheeled out for si- simulators. Wheeled out in his wheelchair. Just yeah, and yeah. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what he was what he was in. You know, it was it was all at his house. He seemed very comfortable. <laughs> oh, hooked up to his life support machine. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of things camera can't show when it's zoomed up in a fucking close up of your face. Uh, good job, Doc. Uh, Seven Max have returned. Hooray! Um, I never played their games, but I'm always happy to see them because they're, you know, they're just they're characters, good characters. I, I saw them in a uh, Poker Night at the Inventory, a game that's which right. I do quite like. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my only exposure to them as well. I was watching their their banter in a YouTube compilation because <laughs> they took the original game off the off the market. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's been gone for a while. I think the second one might still be up, but I it I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. It might be gone too. Uh, so if you own it, you own it. You don't, you don't. Uh, Seven Max, famous original Telltale characters, as far as I remember, uh, seems to have broken free of their of their their prison, and they're now in a VR game that looks like it's built for the ready and rearing for the PlayStation Two. So mm-hmm. uh, very excited for them. <laughs> I mean, we didn't really get a lot out of it out of the trailer, but hey, they never dis I've never disliked the characters. Good to see they're they, they've still got some legs somehow. People keep making, investing money to make games for them, so I mean, great. Oh yeah, that's right, because uh, I completely forgot about that. Because like, Sam and Max, uh, connect that to the studio that makes them, and then you go, wait a minute, they went bankrupt, didn't they? Wait a minute. Yeah. I forgot about that. Who's making this? Some, I can't remember the name of them, they were like a, they seemed quite small, whoever they were. Oh, Okay. Interesting. It wasn't. It wasn't the Rick and Morty guys, which I it thought would have been Squanch Tendo. Oh, yeah. no, sorry, Squanch Games. They had to change their name because Nintendo <laughs> didn't like it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, no, it's not them. I thought they would have been a good fit, but apparently didn't get didn't get the rights, the competent rights to a Salmon yeah. Max VR game. <laughs> we couldn't get the rights. <laughs> Oh god, no, that's right, also announced. Or possibly re-announced, I, I can't even tell anymore. Warhammer Age of Sigmar Stormground. Uh-huh. The third Warhammer game in the ten weeks that we've done this fucking show. Also being developed by Focus Home Interactive. Yeah, I mean, how many fucking studios do they have on the Warhammer franchise? That's not even the only mention. They also managed to cram in another trailer for Necromunda Underhive Wars. Naturally. Later on, uh, so what the, the fuck with the Warhammer? Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm going crazy. <laughs> All right, so there's Warhammer 40k, then there's Warhammer Fantasy, and then this, yeah, yeah, and then after Warhammer Fantasy, there's Warhammer Age of Sigmar, oh, which is this basically is distinct from the fantasy line. <laughs> it's like a sort of like a a successor, like it takes place afterwards, after oh, the end God. times. <laughs> And uh, all the guys in big armor you see in these, they're called the Stormcast Eternals, aka Grind Marines, because uh, yeah, I got it. They're like, they're like, hey, you know what's really big? You know what's floundering? The fantasy setting, Warhammer 40k. It's so much bigger. What are we gonna do? Hey, do you know what people like? They like Space Marines. What if we took Space Marines and put them in the fantasy setting, and thus the Grind Marines were born, <laughs> the Stormcast Eternals. So fucking dumb. 
No, it's basically, <laughs> hey, we, we gotta get, we gotta work the brand, put it into Space Marines, put them in the fantasy one, that'll make people like it, right? And so that's basically, that's the elevator pitch for Age of Sigmar. That's what it is. Gotta get the Space Marines in the fantasy one. So there you go. Uh, Hope you're happy. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm steadily building some sort of repository of Warhammer knowledge. So, I mean, it's not all going out one ear. Piecemeal. I will fill you in on everything over the the next 20 years. Whatever you can do to not make me read one of these books. Oh, don't worry. I've got so much material saved up that I just need to warm you up to at some point. It's fine. And none of it's books. Uh, At least that's something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, hey, if you're into Warhammer, you must be because like you've been listening to this show because we are apparently... Fast on our way to becoming what I assume is the second highest Warhammer podcast out there because I'm sure there's one officialish one. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a secondary one, and we're gonna we're we're taking that spot, and it'll be like a show of the premise of one guy doesn't have any idea what Warhammer is, and the other guy is trying to kill him mm-hmm. <laughs> with information related to this fucking Warhammer. I li- I like to think of it as the the Mike and Jay Red Letter Media dynamic regarding Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. As so, for listeners, as a visual aid, whenever I start talking about Warhammer, I want you to imagine Lee staring blankly into an imaginary camera for about twenty minutes. <laughs> and that's just the part they keep in the edit. Oh yeah. <laughs> Same goes for this show. Uh, people can fly her back, and they've made a new game called Outrider with atrocious dialogue. That seems about par with what they've done before. It was like, what was it, Bulletstorm? I remember the dialogue for that being uh, inspired in how clunky it was, and how desperately edgy they were trying to make it. <laughs> well, then they've, they're, they're up to par. There's nothing to talk about it, because there was barely anything to it. I just thought it was interesting that it had terrible... Terrible dialogue, and uh, otherwise looked fine. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun. It, you know, some heads were blown up. That was pretty cool. Kind of got like a fantasy setting. Mm. Uh, n- not completely distinct, but a little distinct from the Darksiders universe. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring up this page again. Ah, fuck, I lost my... I was too busy looking up Warhammer shit, <laughs> and I lost my highlights. <laughs> Of course. Okay, am I crazy? Or does Medal of Honor Warfighter 2 look fucking incredible? <laughs> I know, right? I thought the same thing. Maybe it's just because I was sick and tired of the fucking Call of Duty, like, debacle. That I was like, oh, finally. Back to World War 2. Uncomplicated. Shoot Nazis. <laughs> the Nazis are bad. Shoot the Nazis. But it's like they've gone one step for- further. It's like an old caper. It's I know, like, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like Diet Wolfenstein, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's just like, hey, it's a caper mover too, we're gonna shoot the Nazis and we're gonna be snappy about it. You know, it's like, ah, uh, yes, and it's in VR too, which is cool. It's very cool, it's, it just looks fucking fun, it's very, it, it really fucking shines a light very brightly on all the fucking idiots that have been handling World War II games in the, in the mainstream for the longest mm-hmm. while now and seemingly can't find any interesting material out of it. And then, bam, there's a guy fucking opening secret doors of piano keys and, <laughs> you know, meeting up with shady scientists or whatever. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck is going on in this game? It looks fucking incredible. <laughs> it's like it's got a story. Like, I can't believe I've finally been put in a mindset where I see video game footage 
of like a bunch of guys in a U-boat about to go up to the beaches in Normandy, and I'm going, oh, finally, a breath of fresh air. My <laughs> God. Uh-huh. It's good that Medal of Honor isn't just trying to beat Call of Duty at its own game anymore. It's like, hey, stick to the thing you were good at. Yeah, like it was kind of, it always had a niche for kind of cinematic war stories, I guess. It had the Spielberg touch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I remember really liking some of the PlayStation 2 ones. And it just lost its mind somewhere when EA was like, more, more profit. Because it was like, hey, Call of Duty went the Modern Warfare and it did really well. One gangbusters made a lot of money. What are we going to do? Well, we've got this Medal of Honor IP just laying right there. It was the rival of Call of Duty back in the day, don't you remember? (laughs) What if we were to do the same thing? And it was terrible. Dreadful. I so what happened when I was originally watching this presentation? Mm-hmm. I was kind of watching a film at the same time with Maria, and I'm kind of mm-hmm. glancing down with subtitles at this thing, trying to keep up with it. And so I saw a little bits and flashes of this war game. I was like, yawn. And then it was. Then I saw it was by Respawn. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. Then I saw it was Medal mm-hmm. of Honor, and I was like, oh, that's real unfortunate. And I didn't pick up what the trailer was. And then it went mm-hmm. into like a, a 10 to 15 minute long talk with one of the developers about how fucking pumped he was about this game coming out. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. man, he is overselling. Uh, yeah, like, he's got a gun to his head off camera. It's the saddest thing. He's, he's, he went from spacefaring adventures in Star Wars to fucking Medal of Honor. This guy can't be happy. Uh, this guy has so almost certainly received his daughter's toenail, like his daughter's <laughs> like little toe in an envelope at some point from yeah. EA. But like I went back and when I actually watched it, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I could see how you'd be proud of this. Like mm-hmm. they've done the absolute best they could with the material given. They have gone full on top secret. Yeah, you've got like the French Resistance, and you've got like characters with personalities, and there's interplay between them, and it's VR, and you're there, and it's like, uh, finally, <laughs> you know, it's like Half Life. You've got Half Life Alex, you've got Boneworks, and I'm hoping like this might be the sort of the the catalyst. You know, just put, slowly but surely building up pressure, mm. pushing on the the VR bandwagon uphill. Until you get to like the the top of the hill, and then you can just let the momentum take it from there. And like, really want this VR thing to take off, so that I don't feel like a fool when I buy one. Exactly. Uh, yeah, not all the other cool kids in the street are like, "What the hell's that?" Oh my god, he's one of those lame kids who got VR. VR's for nerds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, go well, back I mean- to get hard bullied for <laughs> playing games. Well, you're damn right I'm going to close the blinds when I do it because I'm terrified that someone will see me from the street. (laughs) Because someone in VR who doesn't know that they're being watched by someone who's not in VR looks like a massive tit. They really, really do. Sitting with the (laughs) VR helmet on and, like, your pajamas going, oh, yeah, I need to do this. And then just, like, I'm making a... uh, Well, this doesn't work well in (laughs) audio-only. But you can hear me shuffling around like a fool. I think that I've demonstrated my point. (laughs) I like, like, I think it's telling. Maybe it's the brain worms at play here. But uh, whenever we were at your place, like years ago, and Colin brought over his VR headset, yeah, I like, I've very specifically said, "All right, guys, let's make a pact. Let's not fuck with each other when we're wearing the headset." It was, yeah, it actually was a very important thing to get across. Because like the the the, the feeling of vulnerability when you're wearing <laughs> that headset in the presence of other people cannot be overstated. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm already underwater, and there's a shark outside this tank. I, you know, I don't need somebody jostling the cage. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know anyone touching me. <laughs> I'm gonna actively in the gonna small s- of my back from yeah, behind. Because I'm actively going to swing around and hit somebody. <laughs> okay, there was a game called to wrap up GameCon. There was a there was a game called Spellbreak, which is unfortunate because it looked gorgeous, but it was another live service, and yeah. I, I I I don't have I, stop making these. Stop making these fucking multiplayer only games. Like we've had plenty. They like all the all the niches have been ticked quite clearly mm-hmm. because like there's literally not enough time. There's for no people to more interesting ideas. Them. It's just Overwatch again <laughs> with magic as a theme. So yeah, stop making these. Uh, and the, the last one that I could think of that was worth of any discussion was uh, Turrican. I don't know why they put time aside for this like old lost to the ages. 2D Sega game or whatever the hell it is. Uh, oh yeah, in the indie sizzle reel. <laughs> yeah, it it wasn't even. It was like time between real games put aside for the return of Turrigan. It's just a like ports of old Sega games or something, but with the catch that they were from the now defunct Factor Five and uh, that people beloved for their X-wing games. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, who the fuck knows if they get any money from this? You know, like, did the original designers get anything? Probably not. You know, it's just whoever run, owns the rights to Turrigan, whatever the hell this is. Apparently very influential for certain music composers is what they kept getting at. Not even, like, gameplay. Just, like, the music of Turrigan was really fucking good. <laughs> it's like three people came in and said, I love Turrigan's music. So it's just fucking bizarre. <laughs> Once again, IGN has let me down because it's their highlights page that I'm on and it makes no reference to this. Uh, I see. They're correct. It wasn't a highlight. It was very, very strange. <laughs> but it was good to see the name Factor 5 come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose. Well, there, there was one game that I did see that I thought was worthy of mention and it was Save the Post Office. Save the Post Office? I don't remember uh, saying like, that. Sa- well, I mean, Save the Post Office as an adorable Kiwi bird duo in Kiwi. It's called Kiwi. Is it spelled Kiwi or is it like weirdly spelled? It's a K-E-Y-W-E. K-E-Y-W-E. Yeah, this is why I ask. <laughs> Basically, you pay as uh, two Kiwi birds running around a post office pushing buttons and pulling levers in order to make sure that the post happens. I don't remember seeing this in the in, in the thing at all, but give me five seconds to watch this trailer. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, this looks great. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> You're serving dinosaurs. They're like cassowaries, I think. Oh, that makes a lot those more sense. Real, <laughs> those are real animals. <laughs> That's right. I take it that this is like um, overcooked. Yeah, it's like overcooked or like lovers in a dangerous space time, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Multiplayer. Work together. You're going to fucking... Blow it. Yeah, there's lo- there's lots of moving things. You have to jump on a bunch of buttons representing letters, typing things in. There's like a you have to work with a teammate. It's like a cooperative thing. Yeah, I mean, looks great. Uh, I don't remember seeing it at all in the main thing, but cool. I need to stop watching this because I'm too busy sitting there with a smile on my face, being charmed <laughs> by it. Anyway, I I tuned in the Gamecom to watch for a Sonic announcement and none has been made. Why won't you announce a new Sonic game, Sega? Come on, man. They're waiting for the fans to make it. Have you got any more news other than Gamescom? Because I've got a couple. No, that's that's where mine runs out. All right. Well, I've got uh, I've got I've got one. 
something real charming, something real bright to keep up the mood of the podcast after we've discussed, you know, all those delightful things like the Tiananmen Square Massacre and Ronald Reagan and... <laughs> This is a this is a jarring cut from Kiwi. <laughs> uh, I hope we, I hope you weren't intending to cut any of that stuff out because I'm making sure it stays in. Like, oh no, constantly it's a, referencing back to it. That's a, yeah, no, <laughs> that was always on the cards. Uh, so right, what news we got? So uh, there's been a bit of a brain drain going on at Lab Zero Games. Have you heard about this? Oh yeah, yeah, something nice and fun <laughs> to end off the podcast with. So uh, you did allude to this. I think in episode two, though you you were like. You were saying not everything's sunny in Lab Zero these days. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the gist of the story is is that uh, I don't want to say the front man, but like one of the big heavy headers, one of the founders behind Lab Zero Games, is a guy called Mike Z. He's a FGC mainstay. Well, uh, turns out he's a huge asshole, huge asshole who uh, has been me tooed, mm-hmm. and uh, it's only recently coming to light. Like. Uh, there's basically two manners of complaints. One coming from guys and one coming from gals. The ones coming from gals are exactly what you would imagine. Unwanted sexual advances, things like that. Allegedly. But, uh, alleged- oh, of course, how could I forget? But uh, we, from the guys, people who work in Lab Zero Games have basically th- said you had to pester him over and over to get him to work on things. Like, he would just work on stuff that he wanted to work on, like uh. neat features. But in order they actually get like, hey, uh, this needs to get done... You would basically have to, like, beg him to do it. He was um, basically considered to be a massive man-child that everybody hated to such an extent where, in this economy, people are choosing to leave the company en masse because they don't want to deal with him. Yeah, that's, I have seen some of the the le- the, the, the leaving and uh, and sort of letters on the way out that uh, even, like, one of the founders went? Am I right with that? Somebody big in the company definitely uh, a dude said, I'm so, out. So far, what's left is an art director, an animator, and an artist, and I think one other person who I don't recall at this time. Uh, this has been complicated by the fact that uh, Mike Z is a majority shareholder at Lab Zero. Mm-hmm. So the board basically went, right, man, you've got to go. And he was like, fine, here are my demands. And they looked at the, ma- the demands and said, this is fucking ridiculous. We're not agreeing to these. So he says, well, I guess I'm staying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's... Let me ask the shareholders. Oh, I am the shareholders. Uh-huh. So uh, what what's happening is basically there's been a huge brain drain because everybody is leaving, uh-huh. which uh, puts myself and the, SG- the FGC in a bit of an uncomfortable position because you look at Skullgirls, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, hmm, okay, well, what can we salvage from this? You know, there's the incredibly cynical... How will this affect the things that I like? <laughs> yeah, on mindset a, on a on a real life. I have to live at this level, and I don't know this guy personally. How do I get to keep the things I own without feeling well, like an absolute asshole? <laughs> yes. Well, the question of is it possible for me to support Skullgirls without also supporting this dude? And the answer is surprisingly yes. Yeah. Uh, probably the easiest separation from like the brand and the person imaginable, because as it turns out. Lab Zero Games does not own the IP to Skullgirls. What? Autumn Games does. What? Which is the publisher, I suppose. Yeah, Autumn Games. I guess. That's nuts. Uh-huh. And uh, the team currently working on it isn't Lab Zero. Or, like, the, the all of the modern developments that have been made on the game recently have been at the mobile version, which is by a studio called Hidden Variable. Mm. And uh, this sounds a lot like, uh, of you know, oh, 
we're desperately trying to salvage it for our own purposes and we're sort of trying to gloss over the the the, the inconvenient details in order to keep the game that we like but uh, as it turns out even all the people that are leaving lab zero have been pretty unanimous about, unanimous about this like i have here a tweet from brian young aka eu03 uh, his twitter handle is at click again and he says, Skullgirls was the result of many people, not just Mike. Yeah. He or Lab Zero does not own the IP. Autumn Games does. The fantastic team at Hidden Variable keeps the constant updates to the mobile version. Please continue to support Skullgirls and Skullgirls Mobile as you always have. So that's a relief. That's great. I mean, that, that, is that good means news. like so rarely do you get a clean cut from the hard work of the people I who know, actually right? make Fuck. this shit. And like it's tarred by one egotistical maniac on the top of the fucking ladder ruining it for all the hardworking people on the, on the bottom rungs so this is great news great <laughs> mm-hmm. uh also on in semi-related news a, a new character is being announced for skullgirls mobile uh that will be coming to the actual version at some point later uh annie so yay cool you know bit of a mixed bag that week as far as skullgirls is a, is concerned. Yeah. Ten ten year old game still getting supported, uh, albeit by not the original creators, which is apparently a good thing. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a st- strange and varied way to to te- to, to announce a new character. <laughs> no, the the, the, uh, the ideal situation here, uh, you know the you know what everyone hopes for in their heart, which might not actually happen, is that uh, all the people who worked at Lab Zero, other than Mike, uh, have their exodus. And then they form their own lab with blackjack and hookers. Lab one, if yeah, you prefer. Lab one sounds good. And then uh, they they form that, and then they just do their own thing. And it's like nothing ever happened. You've just removed the cancer completely, except in a roundabout way, you've removed everything except the cancer, and then just reassembled it elsewhere. I'm I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> the, the the metaphor is falling apart. <laughs> in any case, Lab Zero uh, disintegrating over time. But Skullgirl's still good, so you don't need to feel bad. Uh, I'm not too sure about Indivisible, though. I don't know what the circumstances with that is, though. Uh, yeah, that was terrible news, Lawrence. Thanks. But uh, I'm glad mm-hmm. that people can still enjoy Skullgirls, which is ultimately the only thing that matters in this story. Uh-huh. We, need, we, need, we need the couple to give her some good news. We need the ant to show on a positive note. And, and that's the last, that's the only news you have. Uh-huh. That's you, the you've only stored news up terrible news oh. for the end of the oh. show. <laughs> Oh, actually, I think there was one other thing. It was uh, Frog Games, I think. This isn't good news either. Oh, no. No! Frog... Frog... Frogware Games? Yes, Frogware Games. Wait, yeah, the people wait. who made the Sinking City. Yeah, are they Frogware or is... Yeah, no, Frogware, that's right. Frogware Games, yeah. Also owned by Focus, aren't they? Or... I can't remember. Somewhere in the Eurojank. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, they're prime Eurojank. Uh, this is like choice euro jank that's what you want <laughs> it's the stuff you order at the restaurant yeah it's the stuff you want delivered to you when you order euro jank at the restaurant so <laughs> this is bad news yeah it is bad news so the sinking city right it was taken off steam lately oh i remember and the yeah, reason that's right the reason why this is is because uh they signed a contract with well they, they didn't use the word publisher but it's a publisher in all but name called uh, Big Ben Interactive. Now the agreement was with Big Ben Interactive was they would create the game Frogware, mm. and then Bigware would distribute it and uh, would pay them according to the contract. Uh, but the people who owned the IP was always going to be Frogware. But uh, 
As it turns out, uh, the publisher stopped sending them the cash on time, mm. and then just stopped selling them cash in at all. And then they started distributing it on platforms that they hadn't agreed that they were going to distribute it on. And then they tried to make a board game without the consent of the IP holders. Whoa. <laughs> and then it seems that they've just over time attempted to steal the intellectual property completely. And now that's resulted in legal action on behalf of Frogware Games. And they've taken it off Steam because in doing so you're effectively funding the company that is trying to steal it from them. Oh my god. <laughs> but they... But uh, they've put it back up on their own website, so you can buy it there if you like. If you already bought the game, you own it. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> yeah, it's too late to take it there. It's just like, it's very interesting to watch this play out, because there's no way that they're going to get away with it, no, by all accounts that I can it's tell. It's so sweepingly dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because they tried to take advantage of some temporary emergency uh, like worker laws that France put in place on account of the lockdown. Yeah. I believe you have to create a fantasy scenario every time you mention it. That's in the uh, Vector Man clause. Uh huh. It's in the, uh, the the Constitution of Vector Man. Naturally, I have one. It's the the new alien hegemony that has imposed martial law upon us all to make sure that they go through door by door to brainwash us all. That's uh, what yeah, it is. That's the one. Uh, I could have tied it in the Call of Cthulhu, but hey, whatever. Nah, it's too late now. I think I, I think I already mentioned Cthulhu. You did. You did. You talked part. about the deep ones before. Ah, uh, blew my low too early. <laughs> Typical. Typical. Uh-huh. In any, in any case, I don't see how in any way that Big Ben Interactive is going to get away with this. I guess this is a pseudo good news because, like, it's a whole big it's, legal it's drama, so but stupid. it's almost. <laughs> It's almost certain that the bad guys are going to lose and the good guys are going to win. The only problem is is that they had to go through this whole rigmarole to begin with. Yeah, it's very uh, exhausting, I'm sure. But at least you get to see a corporation, what a corporation looks like when it proudly walks out with its pants down and proclaims the world its own. Speaking of a corporation wandering out with its pants down and getting away and not getting away with it, uh, there is actually a good bit of news to end off this podcast with. So don't worry, I have salvaged it. It's safe. <laughs> good job. It's an ongoing development in the Apple versus Epic Games debate. Yeah. Okay. Keep it. I, I think I might have cut this from the last episode, but we can jump straight back into it. <laughs> All right. So. Basically, because Epic Games broke the contract and tried to take their ball and go home, uh-huh. Apple Games basically blacklisted them from their marketplaces, and including on the Mac as well. And uh, what they were threatening to do is every any game or app that uses the Unreal Engine, which is owned by Epic, That's right. they were threatening to blacklist all of those as well, which would have been uh, oh, catastrophic. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Which would have been like an unprecedented level of just like people completely unrelated to this corporate cockfight just yeah just being just, just like shoved off the edge just to make a fucking par move they would actively Fortune- destroy yeah. the livelihoods of so many developers that relying on the unreal engine something that mm-hmm. they legally bought the license to use <laughs> most of the time uh, the good news here is is that the judge overseeing this ongoing debacle basically ruled that they were not allowed to do that they can't do that great that is good news. Uh, so the good news is is that the bad news didn't get as bad as we thought it would. So that's good. <laughs> that's good. Hey, hey, man, it's 2020. What do you want? That's as good as you're going to get. <laughs> good job, Lawrence. Salvaged.
three hour podcast and, we're, and I'm not editing it. It's going to be three hours. Good night. Wonderful. <laughs> Completely unedited. You're a liar, Lee. Scotland remembers your lies.